We started with 20 teams, and through a grueling but exciting group stage, we whittled them down to eight. Today, in our penultimate episode, I know, it's hard to believe, those eight teams will become four. Wow. So here we go, Joe. Penultimate quarterfinal episode. States no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. Grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, I can't believe it's a penultimate episode. I mean, this could be our best episode yet. I, I sometimes feel like the episode before the finale is always a little bit more fun. Yeah. I mean, the finale is just the end, you know? It is. It is. You've gone down. You're you're now opening the presents. There's no more anticipation. The pre- It couldn't be. I mean... Any of no, these eight teams would picks, be such a worthy giving, winner. Picksgiving Eve is much more exciting than Picksgiving morning, as we discussed. Absolutely. I mean, now I feel every time a team is eliminated, it's just sad because I think any of these teams that are left, maybe not all of them, or obviously your system is a little different than mine, but so many of these teams, I would be thrilled to be my team. And, um, you know, but oh, by yeah, this episode, four of them are going to be gone. I don't think that there's a team left where I'm like, how did they get here? And I really don't know. I don't have like baked in what I, I don't have a team in mind right now. There's not a team that I'm like, this is secretly who I think is going to win. Yeah. To be honest, I'm with you. I've got some fun stuff planned for these teams to break it down. And we're going to break the teams down in new and exciting ways today, which is going to be fun for all the fans. But, you know, it's the same point. I'm just, I was just looking at the teams um, you know, pulling up some information about them and, and sort of doing it like impartially. Like I know this information is going to help just make make a decision, but I'm not pre-deciding it. I'm just putting it out there. And then, you know, you're going to call your balls and strikes. And then, you know, I'm I'm going to draft on your, your picking a little bit, which is it's going to be helpful for me because picking on your own, Joe, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. Now, let me ask you this. Are you... Are you committed to picking a different team than me? I mean, could we have the same World Cup team? Like, what do you, what are your current thoughts on that? Or do you want to keep your process really close to the vest until we get, uh, you know, get down to the wire? Joe, I would love if we picked the same team. I think that would be very fun. And uh, honestly, if in my ranked choice ballot I had like three potential choices and like you picked one of them, I think that that could easily move them to the top because if we're you know, watching the games together. If we're if we've got bets on the same thing, like I think it's that's going to be fun, Joe. It's true, and and you know you have the type of friends like every relationship's different, but I but but you have the type of friends where you actually like want to be rooting against them. This is like my relationship with Rob, right? Yeah. Um, but then you have friends who you actually like. It's more fun to be on the same side as them, and I feel like you and I have that relationship. Like I would rather be rooting with you than against you. Yeah, and even if I pick a different team, I'm going to, like, 
put a bet on whichever team you pick. Just because I want I, I I think it's good for the podcast. Like I was rooting for the Panthers because how fun would it be if the Panthers win the Super Bowl after we did the whole thing? And whatever team you pick, if they happen to win the World Cup, whether even they're Again, as we talked about last time, even the favorites, of which I think you've eliminated almost all of them, except for, um, uh, I guess, um, France and Argentina are the biggest favorites you have left. But even the biggest favorites are still essentially long shots to win, you know, by uh, overall standing. So, you know, I think if the team you pick goes on to win, that's, you know, that's fun. That's kismet. So, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, that would be amazing, of course. Yeah. So. Uh, boy, we've got a lot of fun in store today. I'm really excited. But Joe, we've got a couple couple pieces of business to get to first. And before we get into the mailbag, which, by the way, is just overflowing again. I mean, the number of emails and voicemails we're getting on one day turnaround is... Yeah, now are these are these emails that are responsive to our group stage episode, which, which literally has posted, like, not even one day. It's posted, whatever, 16 hours yeah, ago. Yeah, I posted at 3 in the morning. Um... <laughs> I don't know, Joe. I haven't read them. I have not listened to the voicemails. I haven't read the emails. I mean, so, you haven't even listened to the podcast, to be honest. I didn't listen. I mean, there are rumors that you were peeing in the middle of the podcast. I don't I know. I was pouring a glass of water, for God's sake. I mean, people are people are pulling out the timestamp. They're, they're slowing down the audio, Joe, and analyzing it. Look, look. It is all part of the lore of Joe Picks Podism. Look, I've peed in the middle of the podcast before, but I always edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> if you're peeing, I don't know when you're peeing. So, you know, if you can do it on the DL, Joe, that's going to it's gonna stick in there. Okay. Business to attend to, Joe. What I've do got we have? Two, I've Let's got two it. things on the notes. Number one, I need to give the, the riveting conclusion to my, my trial, which I was very nervous about last night. I am. This saga... Uh, I mean, this has been a long time coming. Number two, we need to talk about another choice that's being made in about seven hours, I think, which is the World Cup bidding for 2026. So we've got we've got to crunch a little bit of numbers that we each need to go on the record now and and guess at what's going to happen. But I sh- should we start at the beginning, Joe? Let's start. I want to hear about this trial. So as I said, I was. I was nervous last night, just the impending trial, but I woke up, I had trouble sleeping, and I realized I had trouble sleeping because I was sick, had a sore throat, and I think that's why I was feeling a little off last night. But either way, due to my sickness, I felt a a strange ease, a calm. I was like, you know what, when you're sick, you, you like can't even get nervous anymore. You're just sick. Like you can't be two different things at once. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. So, I you know f- finalized my stuff. I printed out a last uh, a couple last things that I thought would help me, and I I biked to court, and I got there about twenty minutes early, and I was sitting out there. It was a nice, warm, hot day in uh, San Francisco, so the courthouse was a little hot. But the only nice outfit I own is a sweater, so I, I put on. I was wearing jeans <laughs> and a sweater, you know. But um, then people start, you know, people are, are sitting around the, the little courthouse where the traffic court is, and then the police officers start showing up. So 
I, I looked at the police report and, you know, saw the cop's name. And then, you know, I had a fairly good... And you recognize your police officer? I mean, you... Well, you... I, I had a fairly good memory of what he looked like. So I knew he was like a, a like, I don't know, he's a, a white guy. I, I knew he had a mustache. He just, he looked exactly like the cop in Super Troopers, the, the like, first <laughs> one. I mean, really. And so this this cop is there. He's got the mustache. He looks just like him. And I'm like, that must be the guy. But then I look at his name badge. It's not the guy. It's a different guy. So then I look around at all the other cops, and it's like women, and it's like uh, other like super short Asian cop, and it's like, well, that's not him, and it's like super giant cop without a mustache, and it's like, well, it's not him. So I was like, oh man, the cop's not going to show up. And then I was, you know, in my existential crisis, like, what am I going to do? And as I'm sitting out there, a, a, a last cop walks in. Now he's not wearing his uniform, he's wearing civilian clothes. And he's got the handlebar mustache. He looks exactly like the cop in Super Trooper. So it's like he looks exactly like the other cop, too. But he doesn't have a name badge. So I have no idea if it's him. But I'm like, God, that guy looks suspicious. And he walks into the courtroom. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're going to do this. But just before the court starts, he pokes his head out. And he looks at me. And he's like, are you Bershkin? (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, Birkin? And he's like. Uh, yeah, 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 Daniel. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey. And he pulls me over and he's like, hey, this uh, this ticket, I don't remember this. He's like, I didn't write this ticket. So I'm just going to go in there and, uh, you know, if you want, I'll just like dismiss the ticket. And I was like, well, wait, wait a second. Like, you don't remember it. <laughs> this ticket was like a taxi driver like ran me over. And the guy's like, He's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm explaining to him, like, the case to try to remind him of a case where I'm, like, incriminated myself. He <laughs> does not care at all. And then he, he basically, he explained more. He said he didn't even write the ticket. He said they have a thing where he files a police report, and then the police report, like, ah, says something. And then some other department goes back to the police report and just... Sends tickets out. Oh, so some asshole read like that you admitted to running the stop sign in the police report and they just sent you a thing. Exactly. And now we're talking about how it was mailed to him. He's already told me. He doesn't he's he's like, I don't remember this. I'm just gonna dismiss this. And he specifically mentioned like the dismissing happens at the beginning. So he's like, because I've actually I sat through traffic court before. Because I wanted to scope it out. So I knew this. So it was very clear. And he was he was very clear that this was the fastest way he himself could get out of there. And I do believe that had a lot to do with it. Because basically, he was describing how they go through it and mail it. And he's like, yeah, and they go through it. They probably looked at the dash cam footage and like... And I was like, no, no, that's the thing. There was no dash cam footage. And he's like... As I'm saying this aspect to him, he doesn't care at all. Doesn't care at all. He literally and could care less. He yeah. could care less. He's like, all right, he's like, I'm just going to create the motion to dismiss. He's like, when I create the motion to step up there, the whole thing will be dismissed. And then as I was sitting there, because you go into court and then they take role and everything. And I was sitting there and thinking, well, wait a second. If he thinks the dash cam footage did, was sent in and then they still issued me a ticket, the dash cam footage must show that I was guilty. Like, there's, if in his mind, 
this evidence was sent in and some other department still issued me the ticket, I must be guilty. But in his mind, he doesn't even care. He does not want to sit around all the way until the trial. He just wanted to get out there (laughs) as quickly as possible. And again, he's not in uniform. It's clearly his day off. So we get up there. They take roll. Um, and and now with the context, I get it. He's probably annoyed as hell. Cause he's like, why? Like, like I wouldn't have. Like, he was there. He he decided not to write a ticket, and now he has to go in on this day off for a ticket that he didn't even want. Exactly. Want to write. And now in in my mind, I had all this animosity for him because I was like, he was there. He saw that like there were two conflicting viewpoints. Yeah. I thought he had to realize that the taxi driver was actually at fault, but I, I honestly believe not provably so. Because look, if the dash, if the taxi driver destroys the dash cam footage, like you know what, it's my word against his, and like there's nothing to it. He decided not to issue a ticket, but then he does have to file a police report with everything. He, he's just basically writing verbatim the questions he asked us and the responses we gave, and then later some person who's not him. Uh, you know, files this ticket. He, you're right. He doesn't give a shit at all. He's annoyed. He's right, he's right, having exactly. to come in on his day off to argue the stupid thing that he doesn't care about. And it actually put me in this weird situation because going into the trial, I thought there were only three potential outcomes. Outcome number one: cop doesn't show up. And then I'm I have the choice of do I argue it anyways? Do I not argue it anyways? Option number two, he does show up and argues it, and I either win or lose. But I didn't even consider this potential option. The cop shows up, absolutely has no interest in arguing it, and is just, like, automatically (laughs) dismissing it, which put me in this situation where basically there's no choice to make. Because literally we were standing up there, and the cop is like, I'd like to dismiss it. And the judge is, like, looking at me, and he's he's, like, chuckling. He's like, is that okay with you? And I was like, yeah, all right. Thanks, Your Honor. And then everybody had a good laugh, and then the cop peeled the fuck out of like. From the moment the the wow. cop the judge was like dismissed, the cop was out of there in like half a second. So, so it wasn't even like that. This is a common thing. Thing like so, this was like a weird occurrence that he dismissed it. When I was at the trial before, so it was also so today was the Warriors Parade. And that was noted in the court because the judge made a comment that there were about 40 cases and only about 10 people showed up. <laughs> so there really – there wasn't a lot of, like, action going on because so many people just didn't show up. But when I was there before, there were literally, like, 50 people in there. Like, it was standing room only. It was kind of awkward for me because, like, I was not involved in any of the cases. I was just, like, spectating. But it was, like, standing room. So I, I was, like, felt very out of place. But in that case, I actually saw a number of times where the cop clearly had, like, chatted with the person beforehand. And again, I think the cops are very smart in this loophole because the way traffic court works, again, because I watched the whole thing before, they do the uh, – all the lawyers always get to go first. So the lawyers, if they have cases, they get argued first. Then they do the officer motions, which generally means the officer agreed on something. Like, in my case, was an officer motion to dismiss. But then, after that, they do a roll call where every person who showed up but the officer didn't, they automatically win. Then, they do a five-minute video about how traffic court works. Then, each case happens one by one. So, imagine if you're right, a police officer. but break down officer. the percentages for me of how that, like, what, 
the day that you went that was really full, what were the percentages of like how many were were officer conversation dismissals, how many were officer didn't show up dismissals versus um, actual like cases? I think the day I showed up, there were fifty cases or so, thereabouts. Probably, if memory serves me correctly, probably three or four of them, the officer dismissed it. Then I, I don't think maybe we had one lawyer or something. Like today, it was weird because the lawyer was. I mean, it was super weird. There were 40 cases, and this one lawyer had, like, 15 of them. And I have no idea. I mean, I was even talking to Megan about that. Like, we can't make heads or tails of how this, like, one guy is representing, like, 15 different people at this specific day at, <laughs> in court. Like, I, honestly, I don't understand it. It, it, it. Megan, maybe we'll have to ask, like, some defense attorney how that even works. No, I have a friend, uh, John Zimmerman, who only does traffic court law. So I'll ask him how that would happen. Yeah, how it happens with this guy. But anyways, um, in the one I was at before, that wasn't the case. There was like maybe like one lawyer got up and there was like one or two cases or something. But then the officer dismissals, just a few of those, three or four. Then they do the second roll call. And then like 30 cases get dismissed just because the people – actually, it doesn't even matter if the people show up. All that matters is if the cop shows up. If the cop doesn't show up, the person automatically wins. Even if they don't show up. But this is, uh, I also learned, if they don't show up, they win their case, but they get a $300 fine for not showing up to court. So they actually lose, but that was like 30 of them. Because even today, there were 40 plus cases and only like 10 cops showed up. So it's very clear that like half of the people just win by default. But I didn't have to stick around for that because again, this, you know, this cop very intelligently knows knows how the, uh, the schedule works. But after that, so after all of the people win when the cop doesn't show up, then they show the five-minute video, which is very fun, kitschy video where they like, they're like, you may have seen court on television. Well, traffic court isn't like that at all. It's like, you don't need to shout at the police officer or the judge. Like, the judge <laughs> is just trying to find the truth of the matter. And it's like, and the judge, you know, you might think that the judge thinks you're a liar, but actually the judge wants, it, the judge believes what you say. So like you know, be civil and everything. And then the cases go one by one. And I always said when in my day before they were by the time it got to the cases, there were probably 10 people left. And of course, there were 10 police officers left because they wouldn't do a case unless the officer were there. And I sat for one case and it probably took like 10 minutes of just I mean, it was a very funny. Well, funny is the wrong word. But it was a guy who ran a bunch of stop signs. And his argument was that his car, the brake fluid was running out in his car. And so he had to be very strategic about when he stopped because he didn't want to run out of brake fluid on a very steep hill. So no, he had smart. to, yeah. so he had to run multiple stops. And in this guy's mind, who was like, clearly had some abuse problems with either drugs or alcohol. I don't know. He, he was, he was definitely uh, a bit disheveled. <sighs> the, the judge was like trying to accept this argument, but she was like, Sir, you do realize that driving around the streets with a car in such horrible state is like no defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> so um, he he lost the case, but she was generous. I thought, and I was I was hoping it'd be the same judge, but this judge was like a, it was like a man. It was like a like mid fifties year old bald guy that looked like a real disciplinarian. So once I got in there, I was like. 
I was I was very happy that I knew I had already won my case because he seemed like the type of guy who would have I would have been like, well, I drove through the stop sign, but it was okay. He'd have been like, you went through the stop sign. He's like, I'm doubling the fee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's a here's here's my overall question: Do you feel like you had your day in court? Like, do you feel vindicated? As or I was, was saying, it too procedural? As I was saying before, um that in my head there were all these possible outcomes and then all these decisions I would have to make. Oh, if the cop doesn't show up, should I argue it anyways? If the cop does show up, like, if the cop does show up and argue it, the only good outcome is I, like, win. Which I thought, I, maybe I have a good shot at it, but honestly, I didn't see enough cases to actually see how, like, lenient the judge would be. But this outcome is is, like, unsatisfying in a way because I didn't get to argue anything. I didn't get to make my point at all. But it's satisfying in a way that, A, there's literally, I there's nothing else I could have done. Like, once the cop was up there dismissing the trial, like, I couldn't have a trial. Like, I would just be testifying against myself, and the cop would, like, he'd be like, if this guy wants to testify himself, like, fine, but I'm leaving. Like, in my mind, I'm building it up as, <laughs> oh, this asshole cop, like, he, he saw the accident, he completely discriminated against me because I'm a biker, he issued this ticket a month later because he even though he didn't get the dash cam footage like he he didn't even issue it me that night like he's i you know he, he's like such an asshole like how does he not like be upset that the dash cam footage didn't get like what is wrong with this guy and then you find out it's just like he's just a busy guy who didn't think of a second thought about this case after he wrote it he didn't issue me a ticket probably because he didn't care and or or maybe because of that and so like it, in the end, I was, like, the police officer who I had been, like, antagonizing, like, thinking about, like, for months. Like, I mean, this accident happened in October. I've been, like, for six months, I've been, like, God, I hate this police officer. I can't wait to beat him in court. And it turns out the real villain is just, like, some department that just, like, mails tickets out. And, like, this police officer had nothing to do with it. And once he was at court, had no interest in arguing it at all. Well, also, I mean, I think this department, I think there's a story here. Like, how many tickets per year is this department generating? Like, you know, they, they are, they are sort of in a weird way overriding the, the judgment of the officer on the scene. Because they're saying, well, you know, obviously that officer could have, in that moment, issued you a ticket. Yes. And it's not like they're saying, we want to take that control away from officer because we think it's too subjective. We're going to review that later, right? That still happens. Officers... That's a big part of their job is issuing tickets. Definitely. So, but then they're saying, well, even though for probably a whole host of good reasons, like the fact that you had just gotten run over, the officer was not, he wasn't, he was backburnering the problem of whether or not you violated anything by running the stop sign. Yeah. And yet then they're overriding him to say that, uh, that a ticket, I mean, it's just pure you know, revenue generation. I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it is. And they just send it out and they assume most people are going to pay it. And the part that's actually a little befuddling to me is that you're allowed this trial by mail. Now, the way it works is you can do the trial by mail. And then if you lose, you can get a new trial in person. But I was like, well, I'll just do the trial by mail first. You know, you have nothing to lose. And I lost the trial by mail. And I'm wondering... How did I lose the trial by mail? Because, like, this officer didn't mention anything about a trial. Like, this was, like, the first he'd ever heard of this case. So, like, 
It's the trial by mail is a sham. Everyone loses. I, I believe the trial be. by mail is a complete sham. And, you know, from what I've learned of going to traffic school or going, going to traffic court twice, that A, and, you know, that traffic school is a bit of a Freudian slip. At the beginning of both traffic courts, they just say, anybody right now, if you want traffic school, come up and take it. And basically, regard, I, I'm assuming if you get like a DUI or something, but I don't think those people come to my court. I think the courtroom I was in was just like petty crimes or whatever, like running a stop sign or whatever. But I think if you get a, a ticket in California, go to court, you get to pick the date, which I think is really critical. So like pick a date and I picked my date way in advance or, or uh, way in, in the future because they were like, I, I was getting the ticket, uh, the the date in March, and they were like, "Oh, we got a few spots in April," and I was like, "No, no, no! I need time for my defense. Like, let's do it all the way in June." But then I realized like how smart it is. Like, if you're gonna be around for a week, like if you're if you know you're gonna be in town like in the middle of the summer or something, just schedule it on a date when it's gonna be most like the cop has the highest chance of like being on vacation or like right, you know right, something right, like that, right. because the cop has to show up if the cop doesn't show up then you automatically win if the cop does show up chat with the cop beforehand see if you can like work out a deal and if you can't do that and it's something horrible just take traffic school and obviously the cop will agree to it because if the cop agrees to traffic school they get out of there in one second instead of having to sit in this boring room for like the next hour like there is no amount of crime that that cop would not just like immediately agree to traffic school because that means they get to leave immediately. So the only question is, could you accidentally pick a day that is like too, like it's really hot out? Maybe there's maybe there is a parade and the cops like, ugh, it's this or like parade detail. Like, like I'd rather be sitting in this air conditioned courtroom. Yeah, well, it's not air conditioned. A lot of fans oh. in there. I well, mean, see, San that, Francisco, not much key. for air conditioning. That's key. I mean, you air conditioning, you know, you have air conditioner in that courtroom, then you you change the whole dynamic. Yeah, yeah. It would have been much nicer. But I mean, I it, it was funny that the, the, the judge did mention it was like parade day. And there were clearly a lot of people who had just scheduled this court date on the earliest available day. And then the day came up and they were like, oh, shit, I could either go to court or go to the like Warriors parade. And they they're going to the Warriors parade and costing themselves like $300 by not showing up at court. But I, I didn't care, so it worked out nicely for me. Maybe this is like speaking as someone who's never had their team win anything, but like the whole the whole team parade thing, I don't get the appeal of it. Yeah, I was saying um, or thinking the same thing because I had a conversation, so I won my case, and I was coming outside, and uh, I was going in the shade to like take off my sweater and drink some water and get get all my like uh, headphones and stuff ready for the bike home. Because, again, it's hot and sunny, need the shade. And there was a woman in the shade smoking, and she had a warrior shirt on. And I was like, oh, did you just come from the parade? And she said, oh, no, you know, I have to work today. And evidently, she probably worked in the courthouse in some job. But she was like, but I taped it, and I'm going to watch it later. <laughs> and I was just I was just thinking, wow, like, you're, t- you're going to watch the parade on tape. Right, even watching it on TV sounds awful. I, I mean, being there sounds boring. Watching it on TV sounds worse. Watching it on a tape is like the saddest thing in I the world. I think if you're being there in person, like, it's fun. It's a jovial atmosphere. People are drinking. People are celebrating. Like, 
you know, downtown. I think it was in San Francisco last year, or three years ago, but this year was in Oakland. You know, they closed down streets. It's like you get to walk around on the streets. People are like, it's it's a it's an experience to go. Yeah, to no, a I get. Life. I mean, I get. Yeah, watching I mean, I get on the TV, fact that like, though, moments of collective joy are rare in our society. Yes. Watching on TV is low, but watching on tape is just... <laughs> it's so sad. It's yeah. so sad. I mean, it's like, it's like a joke about like a depressing thing that would have to happen. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, well, Dan, congratulations, man. I know this has been, this has been a big saga. And it's been a big saga. Now, uh, when does your civil suit against the cab driver for attempted murder start? Uh, so I'm, I'm actually going to sue him in small claims court now. And uh, I'm very excited because in this criminal court, the reason I needed Pam and Tony, I needed their help, was because you, if you are filing a subpoena in a criminal case, any U.S. citizen above the age of 18 can subpoena the person except for you. You are not allowed to <laughs> because they don't want, like, assuming they don't want you, like, getting into fights with the person or something. Yeah. Or I guess maybe you're, like, um, untrustworthy as to whether you actually subpoenaed them because you have to, like, sign off on it. But in small claims court, they've – because it's, like, you know, small potatoes, they've waived that. So I can now serve the subpoena for that dash cam footage as many times as I want, and I'm very excited to do so. But uh, I'm not technically allowed to sue them in small claims court until I send a demand letter asking for the amount I would sue them for. So – I get to send my demand letter, then I'll wait a couple weeks for them not to pay me, and then I will get to sue them, and I will really love every minute of it. So once again, is it going to be anticlimactic if they just pay you? It'll be a little bit anticlimactic, but after you know this whole thing happens in October, I get run over, my bike is ruined, and I get a ticket out of it, so it's just like this horrible situation. And now the ticket's gone, I, I can't get a ticket. And if I win the civil case or the small claims case, then I'll, do, I'll, I'll feel like justice has been served, even though it really is a slow, ridiculous process at times. But I, I'll feel pretty confident in the justice system, actually, that, you know, just I mean, like today, justice was served for like the complete wrong reason, because this cop just wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. But whatever, that's it. The, the right result happened. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's a part of it. Like, it's not really justice. It's, like, reward for the people who are willing to, like, put in a shitload of time. Yeah, for the people who have, like, lots of free time. And I'll say, I was was telling this to Megan because Megan had expected that the people in court would mostly be, like, white people, like, young white males like me who are, like, getting into trouble. But, in fact, the court is almost exclusively, like, minorities. And... I think the reason for that is that like rich white people just pay the tickets right away. Like, yeah, they just don't it. care. Yeah, yeah. And the amount is not is not a problem. Yeah, it's like it, it's worth more for them just to ignore it and pay it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, my ticket was two hundred dollars, and I'm getting that refund. I mean, the number of hours I put in to get that. But again, I, it wasn't like I wasn't trying to get ROI. I was trying to win and like learn about this court system. Think how much you could have made with this podcast if you had those hours back. Even less. This podcast has cost me money, Joe. But so really, by spending your time on this case and not podcasting, you're not only getting your $200 back, but you're saving the money you would have spent podcasting. Absolutely. Although the funny part about it is, after you win, 
they say, oh, you've won. They give you a slip of paper and they say, you know, take it down to this room just to confirm your address is right for the the refund. And it's like, well, obviously my address is right. They sent me the goddamn ticket. So I go down there, give them the sheet to confirm the address. They had my address wrong. Like, what kind of <laughs> system is it? It's like San Francisco but, sends, but, they had, but they had mailed you the ticket. I, they've mailed me a million things. They've mailed me my property tax bills. They've mailed me this ticket. they mailed me my DMV. Like, the state of California, the city of San Francisco, know my address. Like, in ten different ways. But somehow, in this, like, court database, they had the wrong address. So... I corrected it, and it's just it's just so funny how incompetent the whole system is. And and then they're like, and you should expect your refund check in eight weeks. <laughs> like <laughs> what? <laughs> eight weeks? Oh Can't, I mean, it's, how is that possible? <laughs> I know it's just such a ridiculous system. And again, there are people there that like these tickets. You you have to prepay your ticket to even fight it in in court. So there are people who have prepaid these tickets that are, like, ridiculous, come in and fight it and win, and that basically the city keeps that money away from you from, like, the time of the ticket plus the time it takes to go to trial plus then once you win another eight weeks, it's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I mean, I what, what are they doing in that eight-week span? <laughs> God knows what they're doing back there. Like... You know, as a as a big uh, leftist liberal or whatever I am, I have to like support big government. But man, big government is the worst. Like they, <laughs> it is just so inefficient. Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing about traffic. I mean, the whole the whole traffic court, traffic cops, all that stuff. It's like the the amount of it that is actually geared towards that is like. It's treated like a business where you have absolutely no recourse, right? Where like absolutely, you know, and it because it really is like like like, like I do think half these things are tricks for like revenue generation. Oh, if we if we wait eight weeks to you know issue the refund instead of the two days it actually takes, we get this much more in the interest. Or I mean, it's just like every little thing. It just feels like it's it's trying to eke revenue out of the process. Yeah, and I, I think even the trial by mail is like some scam where it's just like they just put like the strictest judge who maybe doesn't even read the thing because just as, you know, going to court, like 80% of the people win just because most of them, they don't show up. And then I assume the other half, like, will win anyways. Or at least that judge I saw before is pretty lenient. Like even that guy who I was talking about who like ran multiple stop signs and got like, he got like five tickets for like his thing because it's like he ran stop signs, his taillights were broken. Like he had like five things. The cop... Or the the judge like gate like um, uh, called off like half of the tickets. Like she still gave him a few of them. But even this guy who's like some like drug addicted maniac who's just like running stop signs in some like old car that's leaking brake fluid. She was even <laughs> nice to him. But like the trial by mail, clearly it's just every single person must just lose. But it's just like. They probably do it so, oh, people are like, oh, I'll just send in this thing, and then they lose, and then they just assume, oh, I'd probably lose if I went to court, but I'll, I'll have to, like, waste a bunch of time. Well, they know. Yeah, they know that, that, that like, X percentage of people that, that do the trial by mail just won't follow through afterwards, so it's worth them just denying everything. Yeah, absolutely. But whatever. And 
I actually did look at the time, but I actually got, you know, I got there 20 minutes early at like 110. I was actually out of there at like 145. So if I ever got a ticket again, I'd obviously fight it. But my plan would be go and get a court date that's like good for me. That's, you know, maybe off in the future, maybe not, whatever. And, um, you know, maybe spend 10 or 15 minutes coming up with any sort of defense and then, you know, just get there exactly at one thirty, and, you know, hope the cop doesn't show up. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I mean, it doesn't – the Washington system is totally different. It doesn't there, It doesn't matter if the cop show up, shows up. I mean, I – Oh, wow. I get the whole idea like you have to like confront – you should have the right to confront your accuser. But that's not – that's not the Washington system. Um, and you don't – there's no court. You go to like an office with a judge and it's like a one-on-one conversation. Oh, yeah. That's not as good. I mean – in this one, they said, because I saw it before, they did it like 20 times in a row. They're like, uh, the people, they, you know, like, Officer O'Grady. And it's like, not here, because they do the second roll call again. And then they're like, okay, with the defendant, whatever, come up here. They come to the podium, and the judge is like, the state has no evidence against you. Your case is dismissed. Boom. And then they hand the person the piece of paper, and then it's just like a, it's like a, a conveyor belt, where they just like... The person who hands out the pieces of paper hands it to that person. The next person comes up, and the judge says the same thing, and then boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, this has been like like 45 minutes of traffic court corner, so I feel like maybe we've lost some listeners at this point. Oh, we've lost all of them, but who cares, Joe? They're too, I, we're going we're gonna to lose every single listener, Joe, in one and a half episodes, so what's the difference? But let's, let's bring it back a little bit, Joe. Tomorrow morning, between two... A.M. and 4 a.m. Pacific time. I actually might be awake for this. The FIFA delegates are going to get together and vote. By the time we wake up tomorrow morning, the 2026 World Cup is either going to be hosted in the joint bid, the, quote, united bid, Mexico, Canada, the United States, or it will be in a team we did today, Morocco. And now, this is amazing. So, For any listeners who aren't, by the time anybody's listening to it, it will already be decided and there'll already be stories about it. So this is probably a stupid thing to even talk about now. But just just for them to like get in the mindset of people before this is happening, it's so interesting because FIFA used to have these rules where only these 24 special people got to vote and got to pick it. But the Russia-Qatar thing showed this like, uh, vote just a swapping. huge amount of corruption yeah yeah this vote swapping this corruption so they completely changed the whole system where the, you couldn't pick two at one time you had to pick one because you, they didn't want to have vote swapping and instead of having these 24 superpowers every confederation gets one vote but joe it's really interesting how this system has worked it's it's sort of like the electoral college because every confederation gets one vote but look at this concacaf and conmebol are both Almost, I think they're probably universally going to give every vote to the, quote, united bid. But, Joe, there are 35 teams in CONCACAF and 10 teams in CONMEBOL. CONMEBOL, of course, South America, very small, even though they're some of the biggest powerhouses in world soccer. Right. So that's 45. The uh, Confederation of African Football has 54 teams. So there, it's, it, it's expected that every single confederation of african football and look i don't blame them like this makes complete sense is going to vote for morocco so off the bat you have and they each get one vote there's no there's no proportionate or like 
no FIFA ranking. Nothing, uh, nothing matters but but the uh, the number of countries. Exactly. And look, if you just looked at World Cup spots, Concacaf plus Conmebol right now gets eight, and both of them actually play in a playoff. So in actuality, well, this time Honduras lost the playoff, but in actuality, both are sending nine to the World Cup. Whereas African football, the Confederation only gets five. So if you actually look at the result of the teams in the World Cup, CONCACAF and CONMEBOL, much more powerful. But doesn't matter. CONCACAF plus CONMEBOL, 45 votes. Confederation of African Football, 54. So, so already Morocco's in the lead. And so you've got UEFA and you've got the Asian Football Confederation, the AFC, our beloved AFC, AFC 46 votes, UEFA 55 votes, and already a bunch of super powerhouse UEFA teams have come out in support of the Morocco bid. And why not, Joe? If you're Spain, if you're France, Morocco is like a two-hour flight. Whereas if they have to fly all the way to the United States, it's like, you know, halfway across the world. Yeah, I mean, for Spain and Portugal, it's practically like they're hosting, right? Exactly. So this, if... You actually were looking at the and, – and FIFA brings out – has, like, the technical report of, like, whether a country can host it. Like, the United bid got, I think, a 4 out of 5 or something, and the Morocco bid got, like, a 2.5 out of 5 or there's some low score because, obviously, Morocco never hosted an event on this scale ever. But the United bid is, like, expected to win – theoretically, I think that's the like um, general idea that everybody assumes. But I think if you actually break it down, and some people have broken it down, it doesn't actually look great for them because you have a bunch of UEFA teams that honestly, it the Morocco bid might make more sense for them. It's similar in time zone. It's much shorter travel to them. And look, is Europe the biggest ally with the United States anymore, Joe? I mean, frankly, I'm not even sure if Canada and Mexico are going to give us their votes. Now, <laughs> that's a good point. Now, the United States, this actually hurts us too. <laughs> the United States, Canada, and Mexico are not allowed to vote, nor are any territories, uh, American territories that also have football confederations like uh, Guam, Puerto Rico, etc. So that's like seven votes that would go to the United bit that aren't allowed to, whereas Morocco, only they can't vote. So, like, oh my God! Well, well, or or all those Moroccan territories too. Yes, the uh, the Western Sahara they don't get a vote, but I don't think they formed the you know phosphate is great, but I don't think they formed the the football confederation yet. So, I'm telling you, I think people, I think this is just very similar to the 2018 World Cup. Everybody just assumed up oh, the U.S. is going to qualify. Up, oh, it doesn't matter that's going badly. Trinidad and Tobago. You look on paper, and obviously the United States, Mexico, Canada bid should win. But if you break it down, obviously everybody in Confederation of African Football is going to vote for Morocco. A bunch of high-profile UEFA teams have already voted for Morocco. And I think a lot of other ones, it makes just logical sense for them to do so. And so then you've got this Asian Football Confederation and Joe... I mean, that's that's a wild card. There, there are forty six teams in there, and again, this is a bu- this is not obviously World Cup powerhouses. 
So God knows how they're going to vote. I mean, is this a situation where the like Trump slash Russia corruption can actually help us? I I don't know. I, what's your angle on that? Well, I mean, look, Russia did a pretty good job of bribing people to get the World Cup. Like, 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 can't they? Can there be some quid pro quo? Like, look, we'll let you steal our elections. You help us get a World Cup. <laughs> Maybe. Look, we tried to get you back into the G8. I mean, here's the thing. It didn't if, work because of that goddamn Trudeau, but If we, we don't get North Korea's vote, that's... Oh, we need that vote now. Like that, that vote's got to be a lock at this point. So we've got well, one. I don't know what Kim Jong-un's relationship is with uh, Morocco right now. So, that, you know, to be fair. But, I mean, if he backstabs Trump on that World Cup vote, that's a bad look. I think... I think we probably also get the South Korea vote because they, you know, they don't want to they don't want to potentially piss off Trump. But I think every other country is up for grabs. I mean, China, we're doing all those tariffs against them. Russia, obviously. Yeah, the tariff, yeah, the tariff thing doesn't help us right now. Yeah. But Russia, Russia's got to vote for us. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I, I am going to be endlessly fascinated. I might just stay up for it just to see how the votes come in. Because again, I think people are are just assuming the United States, Canada, Mexico bid, which on paper is so strong. And obviously, like, obviously it should be, it should win over Morocco. And look, no offense to Morocco, but it's been longer since CONCACAF has hosted one since Confederate African football because they had the South Africa one. And like, give me a break. Like, the United States, Mexico, and Canada deserve to host again. Yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely think uh, we deserve it. There's, I I sort of agree with maybe where you're going with your assessment. There's no way it's going to happen. It's going to be Morocco. I think I'm putting my money right now. I want to say the U.S., but I'm putting my money on Morocco. I just I, agree. I just think I if totally you look agree. at the numbers and you account in corruption. Now, I think the only just the the, the factor that might affect like the asian football confederation whatever if the world cup's hosted in the u.s it's going to make tons more money and i assume that money somehow gets distributed to the the participating teams but i think these countries are just going to love fucking over the u.s i totally agree i totally agree and i think that that you know the other thing is that is that i think that they are really interested in hosting world cups in places where they feel like football needs to grow. Yeah. And even though football does need to grow in the U S and obviously be a huge market and a huge potential, you know, dollars and the premier league loves to advertise here and every, I mean, you know, Bundesliga would love it if they had a deal with Fox sports or what, you know what I mean? Like, like everyone wants that. But on the other hand, I, I feel like there is still wariness of U S domination that I think that the rest of the world enjoys a sport that the U S doesn't dominate. And I think there's there's knowledge that like if the U.S. were ever to fully turn its attention to soccer just based on size and resources, we would be very good. Um, and I think that – I just think that, that there's always trepidation about trying to really grow the sport in the U.S. It's not like everyone wants to do that. On the other hand, growing the sport in the Arab world is hugely important to FIFA. As it should be. I mean right. there's massive population in – the, I mean, 
in both Asia and Africa, much larger population than in North America. Yep, yep, yep. And, and you know, there's, there's um, already interest. It's not, it's not competing with like five other sports. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to happen. And look, I'll be a little support. I'll be very heartbroken. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we deserve a World Cup. Yeah, I, 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 just, <laughs> Honestly. I, I don't think we do. I'm like a, I'm a self-hating American. Like, I think that I think that what we should tell ourselves because it's, it's far enough away that we can just say this whether it matters or not. We should just say that we're going to the 2026 World Cup no matter what. Yeah. That no matter what happens, we're going to go. If it's in Morocco, then we get a, a a trip to Morocco. Hey, in that Morocco episode, I was like very intrigued by Morocco. It seems like a really cool place I, to go. I'd love to go to Morocco. Maybe we do uh, uh, you know a little visit to uh, your uh, uh, brother in Portugal, your Portuguese uh, birthday brother. I'm sure he would love to host us, Joe. <laughs> Once I tell uh, our, him our, our connection. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so few people in the world have that exact thing. It's the greatest day in the in the the world right now. I think we're still holding on to it. But Joe, let's let's wait. What are we? Fifty minutes into the podcast, let's get to uh-huh. the mailbag because we've got some important decisions to make. They can't be rushed, Joe. Zeb. He starts us off. First email. Joe and Dan, good pickings to you both. I want to start by saying that although I was sad to see Poland eliminated in the group stage, alas, the current government is fucking horrible. My second comment is really a criticism of TripAdvisor, which clearly does not know Joe. (laughs) The best attraction for Joe is, without a doubt, the former Lenin shipyard in Jidansk. The shipyard is where the first independent trade union in the communist bloc, Solodarnonsk, was founded. It's a oh really my God, cool place. I, yeah, I would love that. It's a cool place with a history Joe would appreciate. Although Poland is gone, I'm glad that Zabrowka lives on as a drink of choice, and I have found my second favorite team, Peru. Best of luck to you guys in the Elite Eight. God, Peru is so popular with our fans. Everybody loves Peru. And I, I just finished my celebratory. I'm sick, so I, I have to curtail my drinking i wanted to it to be a big celebration episode but i did have a i was sipping some zabrowka and boy it's good stuff save 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 some zabrowka for the finale well it's going to be tomorrow night and i'm very unlikely to have a massive health change but who knows i mean they're crazier joe picks pot as a miracles have happened and look here's another one a new super fan oh my god love it Oh my god, I didn't even, I should have read this first, because this is all about what we just talked about. Hi, Joe and Dan, or is it Dan and Joe? I found your podcast last week and desperately tried to listen to every episode before the kickoff on Thursday. I do not think I'm going to make it, but I'm trying. I'm currently listening to a group stage episode, and I thought it would be worth emailing you to mention than a few hours from writing this email. Oh my god. I, I didn't read this before doing it. I, I feel so dumb. FIFA will be deciding whether the World Cup... With 48 teams, that's a thing to note, will be coming to the U.S., Canada, and Mexico in 2026, or will be going to the desert again, Morocco, for the second time in a row. Oh, my God, can you row. imagine if we were doing this season with 48-team World Cup? <sighs> and we're going to have to for 2026. I'm personally very excited for the idea of going to Boston, New York. If the U.S. doesn't qualify with 48 teams, we really are in bad shape. I know. The thing is, if we host it, we, like, auto-qualify, but... Yeah, they. Uh, I'll go over the bracket afterwards. It shows how many teams qualify. It, with Concacaf's going to expand, so we we would basically have to make it. But 
Uh, going for Bronco, I'm very excited of going to Boston or New York to see a game, maybe even the final. Were you guys aware of this? Maybe by the time you see this, we will know of the World Cup. Hey, we were aware of it, but we love the email anyways. Loving the series, I'm looking forward to hearing Joe's final pick. Neither of my teams, the USA and Ireland, made it either, so I'm looking to lend my support to a worthy side. He says probably Iceland, who you've eliminated, Joe. Okay, okay, well, look, I mean, that's a fair, fair pick. I also hope you guys will do an Aftermath episode to talk about your favorite World Cup 2018 moments and how it's going or how it went as a whole. Thanks for all the laughs and the insight. Liam from Rhode Island. There's a lot of energy for a mid-World Cup and an after-World Cup podcast. And I think we should just, you know, officially say that we will maybe do one. Well, you're going to be in Japan for the entire month, so the odds of us doing one are, like, very low. Well, we can do a we can do a post group stage one before I leave. Yeah, and then um, you know you know the rest of it is that you know if you want our post World Cup thoughts, you'll have to go on to our Reddit page, which I assume will live on and only grow for years to come. I mean, I want to do it, Joe, but I also have to say, I think part of what people like about this podcast is a in our group stages we're like really breaking news like we're we're bringing all this information thanks to our fans emeritus i mean god bless them for or or joe bless them for everything they did but if we're just talking about our reactions to stuff that everybody's watched on tv like i just don't understand exactly what we're bringing to the table there i guess it depends on how the teams that you and i pick are faring but again, all we're going to be doing is just reacting to that. I mean, if that's what people want to hear, that's what they want to hear. But like, I think your average podcast that's peddling your men's.com erectile dysfunction or hair loss drugs, they need to make podcasts to peddle the Viagra and Rogaine. You know, that's what they have to do. Like the, the whole I mean, podcast- what I hear you saying, what I hear you saying that I don't, I, I think I agree with actually is we don't podcast unless we're picking something. Well, I'm just saying it's not that we're picking something, although every single podcast we've done has been had picking involved. But like we're not making podcasts to make podcasts, which so many people are. They make podcasts talking about what they saw on TV, talking about some show, whatever. We're making podcasts to. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I guess every single podcast we've made is some picking because even our midseason podcast last time was setting the stage for this podcast. Correct. Correct. There's always been a pick on the agenda. Well, okay, so so if people want a mid-World Cup uh, or post-World Cup update, they need to give us something that we're picking for that single episode. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm lower on it than I think the fans are. And I think the fans, they, they don't know what they want. I they think, think they want it, but they'd be unhappy with it. They'd be unhappy with it. And I think we'd be unhappy with it. All right, Joe. We've got two voicemails. One from, I mean, fans emeritus each. Different categories they did, and now they're coming in voicemails. And I believe these are first-time voicemails from each one, so we're going to hear their voices on the podcast for the first time. One of these was breaking news. It just got here uh, you know, <sighs> just a few minutes ago. But we'll start with the one that was sent early today. From, How great is it to hear people's voices? I'm loving it. So here we go. And again, everybody, for our finale episode tomorrow, 
Send it in those voicemails. Like, we, we love to hear it. Here it is. Our, our favorite fans emeritus from the celebrity category, Karsten. Dan, Joe, good picking to you both. Um, I'm just here to tell Joe why you should pick Colombia over Japan. Um, you know, really the only thing Japan has, to be honest, over Colombia is the food. Uh, but it's not as if Japanese food blows Colombian food out of the water. Um, although I would contend Colombian food is better than Japanese food. Uh, but anyway, uh, another thing is, you know, Colombia's atrocities at least are trending in the right direction. Uh, Japan is kind of regressing on how it grapples with its past, uh, whereas, you know, Colombia is taking a proactive approach. Um, Japan doesn't have anyone on its team, on its team from Tottenham. Uh, Colombia has uh, De- Devinson Sanchez. Um, probably just butchered his, his first name, but whatever. Um, and, you know, so also another thing that's interesting is Japan and Colombia are in the same group. Um, and when the two, two teams play, mm. which is the first match, um, first match for both of them in the World Cup, uh, Colombia actually has a 57% chance of winning. Um, so, you know, this match kind of, the, the loser of this match is going to be behind the eight ball in terms of moving on to the next round. Um, so, and, you know, in general, Colombia has a much better chance of making it out of the group than Japan does. And I know you don't want to be a front runner, um, but, you know, I think you at least like your team to have a pretty solid chance of making it to round of 16, kind of extending, um, you know, the, the time that you're going to get to root for the team. Um, so, you know, I really think, I, I think Columbia is a good good fit for you. It's not, you know, it's not really the trendy choice, but, you know, they're, they're a, a smarmy bunch. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think you should, uh, I think you should pick Columbia so we can, we can drink some of those refahals uh, that your, your Colombian rabbi was talking about. They're, they're pretty tasty and pretty refreshing. Um, so, yeah, uh, pick Columbia. Pick Columbia. Yeah. Uh, blessed be the picks. May our choices be, the be prosperous. Uh, and I have to say, uh, Superfan Karsten actually gave me some of this this cola, including the cola that... Oh, Joe, uh, Joe. Yes. Hold on, hang on. He sent an email to follow up his voicemail, Dan and Joe, in prayer that my cafeteros will defeat Japan. I left Joe an offering of two Colombian sodas. One is Postabon Manzana, an apple-flavored soda. The other is Colombiana, which is used to make the Rafajos your Colombian friend was talking about. I left them at work. He says, I guess, Joe, you had left for the day. Very lazy. In hopes you would enjoy them while you record the semifinals. I guess you'll have to drink them when you consider Colombia in the final. Please accept this humble picksgiving offering. I mean, it was after 2 p.m. Obviously, I had left. Uh, <laughs> I have to stay up late to podcast. Uh, yeah, no, that's – look, look, I, much like FIFA, we, I am not above bribery at all. That sounds great. I, when we get to that matchup, and maybe we should start with that matchup, I don't know exactly where you want to go, but before we get to that, we have one final voicemail from Sean, and then we'll getting into the picking. I don't like the idea of putting timestamps in the the the, uh, the description, but I am going to put it in, just in case people only care to the pixel. They can just skip ahead to write this moment, <laughs> or whatever, the moment after this voicemail. This is, 45 minutes from now. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of buildup. Well, who knows what Sean's uh, voicemail will say, but here we go. G'day guys, Sean here from Australia. Um, I sent you an email yesterday, but then I heard about this because you're releasing hours and hours of podcasts so rapidly that's impossible <laughs> to keep up. So anyway, here's my um, voice message. Thanks for the season two. It's been great. It's a Brovka. Everyone should get a bottle if they haven't already. As I mentioned in my email, I got mine and yeah, it's... It's great. It lives up to all the hype. Strongly recommend it. Um, I have a picking question for uh, for Joe. 
Um, oh, I'm going wow. on a. I've got some time off work in October, so hope you'd help me pick my holiday destination. My options at the moment are Canada, uh, Sri Lanka, and South Korea. I'll give you maybe wow. a quick reason why for each one, and then you can pick. Uh, Canada, my cousin's moving there in July, so he'll only be gone for a couple of months. If I were to go visit him, he's moving to Calgary. Um, Sri Lanka, there's going to be some cricket on, which is my favorite sport, and I'll be able to see and have delicious food. Mm. And uh, South Korea, again, the food sounds pretty awesome. And um, I may be able to organize for my friend who lives in Japan to come and hang out with me for a bit as well. So, yeah, those are my three holiday options. Would appreciate a pick from yourself, Joe. Congratulations on season two. It's been... um, it's been, it's been odd. It's been a whole thing. It's been very long, but uh, very enjoyable. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll finish it before the World Cup ends, and you don't end up releasing fifteen hours of footage this week. Um, but yeah, it's been fantastic. Looking forward to season three, and uh, good luck, good pickings. Yeah, may your choices be prosperous. Uh, first of all, I think the word odd maybe has a different meaning in Australian. It's like, you say this is odd, like as in it's fantastic. Well, he also called our podcast footage. So, I mean, that may have a different meaning too. Uh, first of all, I'm surprised that a, uh, you know, October during the NFL season, that one of his, one of his options isn't a trip to see his beloved Arizona Cardinals. Ah, um, but, but that's okay. I mean, you know, wouldn't uh, recommend that. No, no, no. It wouldn't be my, my pick anyway. So, you know, the thing with picking that's hard is it's hard for me to make a pick without fully knowing his criteria. So, I mean, he mentioned a cousin moving to Calgary. He mentioned a sort of sport adventure to, to, to Sri Lanka. He also mentioned just sort of a food and visiting friends maybe from Japan and sort of a different cultural experience in South Korea. And those are two vastly different types of trips i mean so i think if if your criteria is wanting to have a trip where you see family and go to a terrible place then go to calgary for sure that should be your number one choice if if you want to have like a trip that's based around a sporting event which i know dan you've done before i mean you took trips to go see college football championship championship game and that, which I do think it is nice because it sort of anchors the trip. Like it, it always Correct. gives your trip like meaning. Correct. So, so I think, I mean, you know, you know, in all seriousness, I think that's the question. Do you want a trip that is really centered around like I'm going to this thing to do this thing, right? Like, I mean, you know, when we went to London, I mean, I very purposely, you know, we didn't go in the summer. We went in April so we can go see a Tottenham game. Like it, 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 it wasn't the anchor of the trip, but it really was it. It dictated the timing. It dictated when we went. Like yeah. I made sure there was a home game, all that stuff. Uh, so uh, that's one way to take a trip. If you want a more leisurely trip that's just about having a cultural experience and seeing something new, then I'd say South Korea. But don't go to Calgary. I mean, yeah. come on. I don't think Calgary is a good choice. No. I mean, even when he said Canada, I was like, well, you know, maybe. I mean, I mean, if it's, you know, Montreal or Vancouver, those are really fun cities. And, like, I could see, like, you know, from Australia, going to either one of those would be just a super interesting thing. But like Calgary is not fun. Is not fun Canada. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if Canada, I mean, my bachelor party is going to be in Vancouver, but I don't, 
it's only it's not in Vancouver because Vancouver is like the most fun place in the world. It's just it, it was yeah. If you for the same amount of convenience and like cost for everyone and all that stuff could do it in Sri Lanka, you'd do it, right? Oh, I would have done it in Australia actually if, if <laughs> yeah. I could have. You know, yeah. the time we spent two weeks there was awesome, but uh, you unfortunately can't get everybody to uh, fly to Australia so easily. So hopefully that helped John narrow it down. And and Sean, I mean, good picking, good picking, Sue. It it, it it seems like you have your your pick, your pick that you're making for picks giving, and, and and I can't wait to hear what you end up going with. Yeah, and to hear the report of how it was in May, mm-hmm. in season three. We'll we'll bring that up a callback. Well, and that's the thing about picks giving picks. Whether you're wrong or not, you just have to double down on <laughs> yom yom pick yom Yeah. And I, we, I don't know if even I mentioned before, but on Cinque Joe de Mayo, I mean, that is where you don't even worry about picking. You just get drunk and you just have a great time. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's really the holiday that celebrates drunken picks. So really what you're supposed to do is, is go drunk shopping. Ooh, and then that's, you don't remember it, but then you wake up and you have all this new stuff and you're like, all right, you know, you got to double I, down on every purchase. Yep. I also believe that it's Cinque Joe de Mayo. Well, I is the name. <laughs> if you wanted to double the Joe up, I, yeah, you, more power to uh, you. Of course, I do. All right. Well, Joe, it's time. We've got four matchups. We're gonna have. We're gonna go from eight to four. We've got France versus England. Wow. We've got Peru versus Uruguay, Argentina versus Portugal, and Colombia versus Japan. <sighs> We could start anywhere. We're we're gonna explain the rules of the game here, how the choice is gonna be made, which I only partially know, but I, I think I have at least some idea of. And we're, we just gotta dive right in to to one of the one of the the matchups. I'm excited, man. We're you know being surgical tonight. It's great. Absolutely. Only over one hour in, we open up the the bidding. Well, where do you want to start, Joe? Do you want to start with Columbia Japan, which Carson talked about? Do you want to start with one of the, I mean, the marquee matchups on the board? I mean, they're just so many. Each matchup is going to be so thrilling. I mean, I think we should just go with, um, let's just go with our bracket. You know, we have our A, B group. So let's go to... Uh, the winner of Group A, which was Peru, yes, and they are facing Uruguay. Okay, so Joe, we are going to look at these in at least three different categories. I don't know exactly what the the final ones are, but we've got three at least. Yeah, one. We want to talk about the best players on the team and just the general style the teams play, just so. We just get that in our heads because, look, you're watching a team play. We want to know who the stars are. We want to know generally how the team plays. Number two, we want to look at what their path to the title would be. You know, if you're picking a team, you want the team to win, right? You want the team to win, and you also want to make sure that the team has exciting games along the way. I mean, I mean, every game is exciting in the World Cup, but... There's a difference between a team that plays a bunch of scrubs, goes to the knockout stage, and then gets knocked out, versus a team where you say, "Well, they got knocked out in the knockout." I mean, I, I mean, like, like the U.S. World Cup, um, 
last time. We got knocked out in the knockout stage, but we got to play Belgium. We got to play Germany. Like, we, you know, there were some big marquee games there. It is interesting. It's sort of like a little bit being in an interesting group probably helps you here, but also being having an interesting matchup after the group probably helps you here too. Absolutely. And then the final one, I've just got written down at FIFA 18. I'm not exactly sure what what your uh, your methods are going to be here, but um, that's going to factor into it somehow. Absolutely. I mean, you want you know, in whatever team I pick for the next you know month. Well, I guess until I leave for Japan, I'm going to be playing them in FIFA nonstop. So, you know, you want something that has a good FIFA feel to it. You want to know, you know, what players really shine. And also, I think we found this, um, I think this is more true with FIFA than with Madden, which we found Madden to be very uh, terrible when we were uh, doing it for the last season. But, like, it actually gives you a different feel for a team. And similar to talking about the style of play and the player to watch, like, you know, FIFA does a good job of the teams actually feel different. Fast teams feel faster. Possession teams, you know, you know, you know, feel like, you know, they they get in, in formations where you want to pass it more. So, uh, you know, I, I think FIFA is very instructive in this. All right. And, and this is going to be great because let's just start with, you know, when we're looking at a matchup, I, I love this high level view, this number one, before we even worry about that, let's just focus on the team a little bit. So, we're looking at Peru versus Uruguay here. And Joe, I'm going to give you a little bit about the style of play and the best players. So let's start with Peru, Joe. Now, when I looked at the best players, it was very hard to choose. I, how, did I, how did I select them? How do I figure out who the best players are? Well, here's what I did, Joe. I went to your beloved FIFA 18 and took their top 100 player list. Oh, perfect. Then, I mean, that's actually that's actually a pretty good way to do it. Then I went through and assigned everyone to the country they played for and then grouped them together. So, Peru has exactly zero players in the FIFA Top 100. So, I don't know who FIFA's star player, or who Peru's star player is, but they're not one of the top 100 football players in the world, according to EA Sports. But... I do have a little bit of data about their style of play. So 538 has the soccer power index, and they break teams down on their offensive proficiency and their defensive proficiency. So what I've done is I've taken all 32 teams and ranked their offensive and defensive proficiency so we can get a feel for exactly what type of team we're talking about. Are they an offensive dominant team? Are they a defensive dominant team, etc.? Well, Peru in... Very unexciting fashion. Their offensive and defensive ranks are exactly the same. So this is a very balanced team. But, Joe, they're quite mediocre. They are number 19 out of 32 in both offense and defense. Would you call them a very inoffensive team? (laughs) Well, they're also a very indefensive team as well. Well, they're indefensible, maybe. They're indefensible, they're unoffensive, they're mediocre, they're right square in the middle. But, Joe, would you believe it? Uruguay is also exactly balanced. I think these might be one of the few teams who actually are exactly the same. Most teams are not. Uruguay, number 10 in both categories. So we are, again, a very balanced team. Inoffensive, undefensible not mediocre, though. A little, they're in the top third. But, Joe, they've got not one, not two, but three 
players in the FIFA Top 100. Their worst <laughs> player, Joe, of these three is the number 37th best player in FIFA. And it's none other than Edinson Cavani, who plays for Paris Saint-Germain. And Joe, you might think, oh, I'm just taking this list. I'm just picking out random names. But no, Joe, I have gone to the final 30 or 23-man rosters for each team and only picked out because some of these teams have like a lot of players in the top 100. Not all of yeah. them made the squad. But every player I'm going to list to you is somebody who made the squad. So all three of the Uruguay players in the top 100 are on the squad. Edinson Cavani, Paris, St. Germain. The number 27 player, according to FIFA, Diego Godin, who plays for Atletico Madrid. And Joe, the best player, the fourth best player in FIFA. Do you know who it is? It's got to be Suarez, right? Absolutely. Luis Suarez plays for Barcelona, ranked 92 out of 100, the fourth best player in FIFA on Uruguay. So, look, if we're looking at the, the, the style of play and the stars on these teams, we know exactly what we're getting here. Peru, they're a, a, a mediocre team that plays a very balanced style, whereas Uruguay, they're playing a balanced style, but they've got some absolute star power, especially for a, such a small country. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's worth noting, I mean, with Suarez, we talked um, about the biting, obviously, we talked about his personality, but I mean, we, what we didn't talk about is that you are talking about a team that, and I don't know if, if, if I agree he's the fourth best player in the world, but we say he's somewhere in that range. He's 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 in the realm of we talk about Neymar and Messi and Ronaldo and like you know we need to talk about Suarez in that conversation too of just you know uh uh players who can take the World Cup on their shoulders and might in the next week. I mean one of these players might just be the dominant force in this World Cup. Absolutely. I mean if you're talking about a player who can you know, especially in a, in a game where you have to score goals, if you've got somebody who's an absolute elite goal scorer and just has one of those runs that, you know, you, we, you obviously see in club teams, you know, Harry Kane sometimes just looks possessed out there. And, you know, if that happens in a World Cup, we've seen it before, Luis Suarez is definitely the type of player who could do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a little bit different than some of the other teams in that, in that, uh, well, like... There's there's not the most solid problem. I mean, Suarez is great, but the team is, but the team around him is also very good right now too. Absolutely. I mean, the tenth best in both categories. Again, they're not one of those elite teams, but I think that tenth figure sounds about right. And look, they, I think they've obviously got a puncher's chance if you are a side that's very good on both sides of the ball, and you've got elite players who who knows can come up with good performances like. You'd have to say Uruguay can probably beat anybody, and which is a great uh, introduction into the second thing. So, well, no, hold on. I think we should score each of these three categories as we go. Ah, all right. And just say who, who of the two teams won it? Okay. Uh, though, of course, just because you know, once again, the caveat: a team could win all three, and I, I still could move the other one on. I see. But in this case, I think 
Uruguay wins this category, and it's not it's not even really that close between them and Peru in this category. Okay, and uh, look, they some... have the players. They have you know you know neither I guess their style is so distinct uh, that you could say well this is a very offensive team or not. So they sort of tie in that category, um, but maybe Uruguay gets the edge there too because they're just better. So there you go. Uruguay wins the first category. All right, Joe. Well, let's just move right into the second part. Path to the final. So we're looking at Uruguay. They're in Group A, and Peru is in Group C. So they are actually in the same half of the draw. They could potentially meet in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. But which which person's draw do you want to focus on first? Why don't we talk about Peru first since they won their group? Okay, so Peru's in Group C. They're with France, Australia, and Denmark. Uh, they, If they got out of the group, I'd have to say they'd likely be the, the second-place team. Do you agree yeah, with let's that? Ass- yeah, let's assume that they're the second-place team out of their group. Okay, so if they were the second-place team, uh, second team out of the group, their matchup would be against the winner of Group D, which would be likely Argentina but potentially Croatia or as a bit of a long shot, Nigeria and Iceland. So I think the the likely thing that you could sort of write in um, if you were going with the betting odds would be Peru versus their, uh, their South American friends, Argentina. That way, I mean, that would be quite the matchup. Battle of South American teams are very familiar. They've already played each other twice. Yeah. I mean, a, even Peru making it out, so so you said it's it's France, Denmark, Peru, and who else? Australia. Okay, so I mean, I have to think that that Denmark is favored over Peru to make it through, but probably not by a ton. Yeah, depending on exactly what odds you're looking at, I, I mean, I if memory serves me correctly, Peru uh, and Australia were sort of towards the bottom. And um, Peru might have even been the biggest underdog. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I can look it up. But my but, point was, I mean, yeah, and, and we've already talked about that, you know, in the Peru episode. I mean, my point is that if Peru were to even make it out of the group, they'd be this, this, this Cinderella story at that point, and then they'd have to go up against Argentina. Like that's rough, man. It is rough, but you could also imagine, hey, Croatia knocks off Argentina, and all of a sudden you've got Peru versus Croatia. You know, who knows? It's not a bad draw. Absolutely. It's not terrible. I mean, Argentina is probably a bad draw. But again, as far as these other group winners are looking, it's probably as good, about as good as you could hope for. That's true. That's true. Um, All right. Well, well, uh, uh, what does it look like for Uruguay? So Uruguay is co-favorites of the group with Russia. But I think the really interesting part about this group is that Uruguay could really be either the number one seed or the number two seed, again, depending on the Russian corruption, but they would play the one and two seed, one or two seed from Group B, which could not be more of a toss-up because Group B, the two heavy, heavy favorites are Spain and Portugal. So you've got Uruguay, and again, Uruguay wins, they don't win. It really doesn't matter. If they get out of the group, they're probably a complete coin flip to, to play either Spain or Portugal, which, you know, great matchup. 
Right. And if they're sort of a coin flip to win the group or not, and then Spain and Portugal are sort of a coin flip to win their group or not, like it, yeah, yeah. Basically, you could just say that they're they're going to play one of those two teams, and it doesn't really, it's not clear what they, how what they do in the group stage actually influences that. Yeah, it really doesn't matter for them. Because again, that's kind of like a pick your poison. I mean, if you looked at the betting odds, you'd, you'd rather play Spain. But look, either of those teams are, are very tough teams. And and then now our, our paths converge, Joe. So now we're, we're looking at the quarterfinal brackets. And hey, this, this is the, the bracket where the quarterfinals would play each other. So again, depending on where the, these systems are and, and which number is which, if Uruguay were to win the group, they could easily face Argentina. Mm. Or, or actually, no, no, no. That's wrong. If they lose the group, they could easily face Argentina. But look, it's no better. If they win the group and they make it to the quarterfinal, they'd likely be pitted against France. So look, you know, again, France and Argentina, hey, it's the quarterfinals of the World Cup. You're going to be playing a quality side. Yeah, I mean, at that point in the World Cup, it's like any team that you're playing is going to be great or... Or they're going to be a, a team that was that was good, not great, but is making an amazing run. In which case, you know, they, they may as well just be in the great category. Yep. And so then again, now it's just since they could either win or lose uh, the group. But let's just assume Uruguay wins the group. So then their quarterfinal would be against France. So assuming France also wins the group. And again, they all win their knocker run. And then who would they play? If they made it to the semifinals, well, they would be in the probably they would be playing Brazil. So, boom, they gotta they gotta go through either Portugal or Spain. Boy, this is a tough road, Joe. They gotta go through Portugal or Spain. Then they gotta <laughs> go through France. Then they likely have to go through Brazil. And then in the final, you know, again, the final could be anybody, but you know, it's. If you go by this thing where we're always picking the favorites, it would be Germany. So they're they're just beating. That's a that's a brutal road. <laughs> that's that's not great. That's not great. But on the other hand, Peru it seems like they are in a similar difficult position because they're likely playing Argentina right out of the group. Yeah. So Peru, you imagine if they don't win the group, they're having to go through Argentina, and then you know imagine they win that, and then they are going to play again either Spain or Portugal, or, I mean, they could also easily be playing Uruguay, and then uh, and then they go through, um, that, that, that would be the probably the Germany side of the bracket. So they would probably then be playing Germany, and then their, their final would probably be against Brazil. So, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's rough. That's rough. I mean, I guess the only, so, so, I think between the two of these, I think this is sort of a draw because I think the way that it looks like is that they have some fun games for sure, but that there's not really, there's no, there's no like, oh, I, I see they're going to, you know, you know, easily make the quarterfinal or whatever. Like they should make the quarterfinal because even, even Uruguay with their much better chance of making it out of the group, then immediately turns around and, and faces a powerhouse. Uh, yeah. So I don't think that there's one. I mean, I think I would give the slight edge to Uruguay in that they have a much better chance of making another group. But then I would also give an edge to Peru in that they're they're going to have more fun group stage matchups than uh, Uruguay will. 
Yeah, I mean, you can look at it and say Uruguay is playing Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt, which... Yeah, it's just sort of a boring group stage, absolutely. And whereas Peru, you know, they're going to be an underdog, but, you know, they got that fun game against Australia and then against France and Denmark. I mean, if Peru does make it out of the group, it absolutely will be very exciting. So I think this is a total draw between the two and, uh, and reasons to like both of their... to like and dislike both of their pathways. So now, Joe, looking at your FIFA, your beloved FIFA, you played as both of the teams. You played against each other, in fact. I did. I did. We played against each other, and, and I did one half for each team. And the result of the game was 3-1 to one Uruguay. Not, not too surprising. Uh. But but, by far the best player of the game was the Peruvian Jefferson Farfan. Farfan, hmm. I don't know where he is on that FIFA ranking, but uh, he's their forward. He was pretty pretty darn impressive. It's funny. I was playing with him, and I was like, "Oh, this guy is like pretty pretty like like quick and agile." Was he our player to watch? And then I looked him up, and he's like thirty five. So I don't <laughs> I don't know I don't know why. For whatever reason, in FIFA, he's like a pretty fun player to play with. But I mean, just. Just to give you some idea of how this game went, uh, and this is both when I was defending as Peru, but then also when I was um, when I was playing with Uruguay. Uruguay had fourteen shots on goal. Peru had two. Uh, eight of those shots were on target. Both the pros sh- um, shots were on targets. Uh, Uruguay had fifty-five percent possession. Peru had forty-five. The other thing that I'll say about this game is uh, those Uruguay kits with the sun on them are just so impressive looking in FIFA. Um, You know, I can't wait to see them out there in the actual game. Uh, But this game sort of, I think, solidified for me that that Uruguay is just a more fun team with more stars. I mean, Suarez felt like Suarez out there. Uh, Cavani had, I think, two goals in this game. Uh, You know, just, just overall, Uruguay was like... Of... Of all the teams I played with, Uruguay may have been one of the most fun to play with. And their jerseys look great. Those kits, I'll tell you, Joe. There is some some emails about those. I I can't divulge who it's from, but boy, it's it's your powder blue, Joe. I I love the powder blue. So so I think, like I said, it, 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 it wasn't really close. Uruguay wins this category. And look at that. Suarez and Cavani, each one at those 22 to 1 odds for uh, top goal scorer. So that's also something to look at in this group. It is. It's interesting. Let's see. So, what's that? What's a Peruvian guy's name? I want to see if he's on this list. Farfan? Farfan? No, he's not. Uh, none of the Peru. Oh, no. There he is. Oh, no. A different guy. Paulo Guerrero. No. No. So there you go. He didn't do anything in FIFA. So. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't place that bet. Yeah, well, one hundred twenty-five to one. So that's a big payout. So there you go, man. So, uh, so look. I think between the three categories, I think it wasn't quite a clean sweep for Uruguay, but uh, I think I think Uruguay beats Peru here. I think Uruguay moves on. Wow. And I think the strength of their FIFA game is really propelling them at this what? point. What a thrilling run that Peru had. Captured- thrilling run, 
and captured the hearts of so many of our super fans. And Fernando put put up such a uh, strong argument for them. I hope Fernando continues to listen for the next six hours until we make a final decision. Yeah. Uh, and and really, I've learned about Peru, and they will always. And you know, Dan, you and I are going to go to Machu Picchu one day for sure. Definitely. And yeah, I'm going to be rooting for them. You know, it's it's going to be tough because I, I sort of like the Socceroos, but I'm rooting for Peru. Yeah, yeah, I I hope they make it out of the group for sure. But Joe, we must say goodbye. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Fair enough. And now, hey, we're in Group A. We're in Group B. Let's look at that number one team from Group B, Joe. None other than England. Playing the runner-up from Group A, none other than France. Wow, what a what a matchup, right? I mean, this what is a, this is unbelievable. So, Joe, Marquee. let's Marquee. let's just get let's just set the table here with these top players. Each team comes in with multiple top FIFA 100 players. Let's start with the number one seed, the top seed, England. They have two top 100 players. First at 93. Plays for none other than the Tottenham Hotspur, Delhi Ali. Love it. Then their second player, ranked 53, also plays for the Tottenham Hotspur, Harry Kane. Love it. Yes. Both of them, I, I checked the roster, Joe. They're both on the team. Now, this England team, where does it look on the offense-defense scale? Well, Joe... We have got a, a bit of our, our first unbalanced team. This team is only the eighth best offensive team, Joe, but the third best defensive team in the World Cup. This is a defensive powerhouse. I mean, a top three defensive team. That's that's uh, that's up there, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of it's sort of surprising to me not really having followed. Um... England's run-up to the World Cup, though obviously learning about it on our podcast, um, I would have assumed that this was a more offensively-minded team, just given that, I mean, you know, the the huge majority of their midfield and forwards are from Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool, these, like, uh, uh, you know, or like Raheem Sterling, who plays for uh, Barcelona, like, these are these are players that play on teams that are very uh, forward, fast-paced teams, and yet it seems like England just struggles to score goals. But really, where they win is in these one-nil, two-nil games where they're just completely shutting out the opponents. Absolutely. I mean, let's look at their qualifying to talk about that. They played ten games, they scored eighteen goals, but only allowed three. So, and again, you know. <laughs> They're playing Malta, Lithuania, you know, Slovenia, Slovakia. Right, which is like, part of it. Other teams would be running up the score, you know, on poor Malta. Like, I'm sure other other sides would be destroying Malta like 5-0. But, you know, England is just, you know, beating them, whatever, 2-0 or whatever. But good enough, you know. If if you play 10 games and only let in three goals, that's um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I guess... I would just say that, um, not to argue with our own category here of two of of the um, 
the team style, but we shouldn't be surprised if if throughout the course of the World Cup, if England actually turns on the goals. That's all I'm saying. Just yeah. just with the players that are there and the teams that they play on. Yeah, well, we'll and it'll be interesting their route to the World Cup too, or their route through the World Cup um, to see what types of teams they will be playing. But before we get to that, let's um, take a look at France. Now, there were two teams that had the most FIFA top 100 players, well, three of them. Two of them are not in this competition. That would be, of course, Brazil and, of course, Germany. But France has the, well, Spain also has a lot. (laughs) But France has the fourth most players. And, Joe, they have so many top 100 players, nearly half of them didn't even make the squad. But That's incredible. I'm going to ignore number 90, Stefan Bouffier. There's not one of those players that has dual citizenship with Peru. That can go over. <laughs> Come on. Number 90, Stefan Ruffier didn't make the team. Number 70, Alexandre Lacazette didn't make the team. Oh, Plays for Lacazette. Arsenal. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Number uh, 61, Frank Ribéry. Plays for Bayern Munich. Didn't make the team. Number 56. Old. This can't be right. Kareem Benzema didn't make the team. Yeah, no, it's very controversial. P- Perry talked about it during the France episode. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is – I, I did, just didn't even trust myself to see these players. Number 56 player left off. But, Joe, they have six top 100 players that did make the squad. Rafael Varane plays for Real Madrid. He's a uh, defender, yeah. 87th best player. The 72nd best player, Blaise Matudi, plays you for Juventus. Then – Sure, you're not pronouncing that right, but yeah. Oh, I'm surely not. <laughs> then we've some of these ones. Pogba, I got, but some of these other ones I might mess up. Well, I know the rest of them. Oh, only one of them. But anyways, number 36, Paul Pogba plays for Man U. Wow. Then number 35, right below him, Nagolo Conte mm-hmm. plays for Chelsea. A lot of Premier League. The number 28 best player in FIFA. Wow, Joe, a netminder, Hugo Lloris. Wow, I, I I've heard of this young this young man. Team captain, I believe, as well. Plays for the Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Team and captain of Tottenham Hotspur too. Yeah. Wow, and their top ranked player, number twenty, Antoine Griezmann, who plays for Atletico Madrid. So, wow, six player. I mean. Four players in the FIFA top one hundred. They've left off the team. And six players are on the team. It's that's incredible. So um, obviously the star power is there. And let's look. They are almost the the inverse, almost the perfect inverse of the England team. Whereas the England team had the eighth best offense and third best defense. Flip that around. France has the fourth best offense, but the eighth best defense. So this is a goal scoring team. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think in terms of star power, it's so hard for me to judge because I think that you know, you know, empirically, France has more stars, as you're pointing out, and yet for me, obviously, there are far more Tottenham players that play on the England squad, so they're much more familiar to me, and not even just the Tottenham stars, just the you know the players that you see sort of week in and week out in the Premier League. And there's a lot of Premier League players on that France squad too, but it's just, you know, you know, 
their whole lineup are household names to me. I could tell you something about every single one of them, which which England's probably the only team. England and Team USA are probably the only team that I could I could tell you some, even if it's just a tiny tidbit, I could tell you something about all 22 of their players. Now, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is the captain of the England team Harry Kane? Harry Kane is the captain of the England team. So you have wow. Harry Kane captaining one team, and you have Hugo Lloris captaining another. What a tough matchup. It really is. And, I mean, I obviously have to say that I, I'm, I'm probably, not probably, certainly more of a fan of France's style of play than England's. So yeah. then I think the the big question is, is England, Tottenham filled, and Premier League to a lesser extent, filled star power enough to overtake that? It's really it's such tough. such a tough decision right off the bat, Joe. I mean, wow. It's really tough. I think I have to give the very, 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 very razor-thin edge to England in this category. I mean, wow, wow. just the fact that I, I know every player, the fact that there's so many Tottenham stars, it's not, it's not just one. I mean, look, if it was just Hugo Lloris versus Harry Kane as the two captains, I mean, th- that would be tough for me. But the fact that you throw in, uh, you know, uh, you know, Deli Alley, Eric Dyer, uh, uh, it's it just the list goes on and on. Uh, uh, Danny Rose, it's just, it's tough to have so many players that, I mean, it's going to be like watching Tottenham with then a few other players, you know, running out there randomly. Well, I'll tell you, there is something to be said about this. As you were talking a little bit before about the, the styles of play and the goal scoring, if you were to believe in your team and you were to believe, for example, that England was going to maybe play a little differently than people expect and be a little more offensive, you're getting 16-1 to 1 on Harry Kane for that top goal scorer, whereas Anton Griezmann's only down at 12-1 to 1 because France is expected to be you know, Anton Griezmann's the third lowest odds for top goal scorer because France is right. going to be expected yeah. to, to have that t- type of style. So little little bang for your buck there on, on Harry Kane if you're expecting a deep run from England. It's not a bad point. It's not a bad point that that if England's making a deep run and if they're sort of going back to – I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like I was saying, Tottenham is such a forward style of play, so is is – are Deli Ali and Kane suddenly just going to play differently than they play at Spurs? Yeah. Is Raheem Sterling going to just play play differently than he's played his entire career? I don't know. Do you want to you want to get into the the path a little bit, Joe? Let's talk about the path, yeah. Well, let's let's start off with that that group B winner, that uh top seed in this matchup who's already they've they've come through that razor thin edge in the first category, but let's look at their path they start out in Group G. Already, right off the bat, they're in the same group as Belgium. So, I mean, the top spot in the group is already at risk, which which essentially means that it's it's very hard to place what England's potential matchup could be because they could very easily win this group. They could very easily get second. Uh, the The other two teams in the group are pretty soft. Uh, with Tunisia and Panama, so I think you're going to have a thrillingly exciting match, England Belgium, which is actually the third match in the in the group, though <sighs> the final time. What a great game! Which likely will be playing for that number one spot, right? Um, but those first two matches, I, I don't know if Tunisia 
England, Tunisia, England, Panama is really, you know, doing too much. But let's say they win the group. Boy, this is, depending on how you're looking on this draw, this is either good or bad. They are, if they win the group, they will get the winner of Group H, or they'll get the loser of Group H, which will be Poland, Japan, or I, I think Group H, Colombia is definitely the favorite. I think we recently talked about this. And then Poland, I think, is the second favorite, and Japan is probably the third favorite, though it's very close. So I think if they win the group, they'd likely have a matchup with either Poland or Japan, which I think they'd be very happy with. If they lose the group, they would very likely be matched up against Colombia, which... It's a tough game, yeah. It's an absolutely tough game right out the bat. Now, again, because of the... They can win this group, they can lose this group. Literally, anything is up in the air. But regardless of what happens, they're either going to play Germany or Brazil in that uh, third match. So let's just imagine they win the group. They have, they're having a great run. So they win the group. They then play, say, Poland. They beat Poland. Great. Who are they going to be matched up with? Well, none other than Brazil. If Brazil <laughs> wins their group and if Brazil, of course, wins their first matchup. So that's brutal. But then look at the alternative. They lose the group. Say Belgium wins the group, which I think Belgium's slightly favored to do. Then they get matched up with Colombia, which is just a brutal, absolutely brutal matchup in the second round. Say they beat Colombia, well, what are they going to get? They're going to get Germany. So it's it's not good. This is, I mean, they're guaranteed, almost guaranteed to have to play Brazil or Germany in the quarterfinals, which is really, really rough road. Yeah, yeah, no, that it 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 seems like smooth sailing up until <laughs> up until the quarterfinal, and then it's. Then it's real tough for them. And then, you know, it would just be the opposite in the semifinal. So it's like if they they beat Brazil, um, imagine they beat Brazil in the quarterfinals. Well, then they'll, they'll likely be playing Germany in the uh, – oh, no, no, no. Ah, no, they won't actually. You're right. So that's good. So then they would get a reprieve where they'd play the, um, the, the winner of the top group, which would probably be uh, Argentina. Or maybe Portugal, maybe Spain. So they wouldn't have to face the two tournament favorites back to back. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough, though. Uh, I mean, it's hard to see this England team making it through Brazil. But but you know, you never know. Um, I mean, it, this is just such a tough matchup because if they don't beat Belgium out for the group, they're almost guaranteed to have to play Colombia. So you you can just imagine they either have to beat Belgium in the group. To, to, you know, Ooh. rid themselves of the Colombia matchup. And if they lose to Belgium, then they now have to play Colombia. So they're going to have to beat a top-tier team. Within or, they the- run, or they run things up in those first two games and then just park the bus against Belgium and try and get them, you know, try and, try and survive with a draw. Yeah, that's true. It's possible. But again, Belgium is, is definitely much more of a goal-scoring team. Uh, so Belgium has the fifth best offense. So Belgium is is the opposite. Belgium's the fifth best offense, eleventh best defense. So it's going to be. This is a tough path for England. This this might be why their odds aren't aren't particularly great. Though I will say that I think that England has has the has what you want the most out of a group, which is 
that perfect sweet spot of there's going to be a fun group game. Like the group Definitely. isn't boring. You're going to have some some good storylines and drama from the group. But you're almost guaranteed exit from the group. And that's like the perfect combination. Yeah, because I'll tell you, if that third play, if things sort of go to expectation and that England-Belgium game is for the right to, I mean, the loser having to face Colombia and the winner gets like either Japan or Poland, like that is such a huge, Matt, like both teams are going to be trying everything to win that game. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, the only thing is that if there's one team that goes in, which there likely will be that that they win the group with a with a win or a draw, they're going to park the bus. Yeah, I mean they would have to. Yeah. But let's look at the other matchup. Let's look at the other side of this. We've already it. we've already talked about this group because Peru, our uh, dearly departed, also in this group. So their ride looks very similar to a bit what we talked about Peru. Although Peru was very unlikely to uh, to win the group, but. France, super, super, super heavy favorite to win this group. And if they did, uh, Argentina, heavy, heavy favorite to win Group D. So that means France likely would have a matchup against Croatia or Nigeria or, in a real Cinderella case, Iceland. So that it seems like a pretty nice matchup yep. for them. Then they're going to be facing probably the winner of Group A, which... Boy, if things go nicely for them, could be Russia. So if if they get Russia and then Russia somehow through corruption can beat either Portugal or Spain, they they could have a really tasty quarterfinal against Russia. Or more likely, they would probably be playing either uh, Spain, Portugal, or Uruguay, which either three are probably equally likely to get into that quarterfinal position. I think France would probably be favored in any four of those situations, though. Yeah, Portugal would be... Yeah, no, France is going to be the favorite in any of those. Absolutely. Maybe maybe Spain might be the, the best one, but yeah. I think if... Um, and if Spain wins the group, then Spain won't face them. So that they would face the, um, the loser of that, of that group versus sort of the winner of Group A. So I think, you know, France has pretty easy path as long as they win their group because i think iceland croatia or nigeria not huge threats i think that russia or uruguay de- threatening definitely but obviously i mean when you're comparing england who's who's having to play brazil like this is is much better than and then obviously once you get to the semifinals and finals just it's it's going to be uh brazil germany would be the the expectation so obviously it gets, you know, at any team by the time you get to the semifinals or finals, it's hard. But their their path through Group Two and the quarterfinals is very. You you just could not have more diametrically opposed situations here. France has what I would say is probably one of the easiest paths, assuming they win their group. And England, whether they win the group or they don't win the group, they have a brutal brutal path. Yeah, it's super it's super interesting. I mean, I think that that it does sort of help explain some of the odds where you're like, well, look, you can sort of map France's path out all the way to the semis before you really hit a, hit a potential wall. Not that that means that they'll make it, but you can just see what you see where, okay, they're favored here. They're favored here. If everything just sort of happens by the, you know, by how the odds say that it should, 
then they're going to go pretty darn far in this World Cup. I think I have to like France's path better, and I think that they take this category. I think that uh, I still think that England has a really good. Um, I think I think England has a really good group and an interesting group group dynamic with Belgium, but uh, I think France has the ability to go further, and I can see that pathway. So I think that probably, uh, like I said, France takes it. Maybe it's not clear-cut. It's close, but France takes it. Yeah, it is, because I'm just looking at these odds, and it is crazy how France is at 7-1, to one, and England's all the way down at 16-1. to one. But now looking at this path, like, it's just so, like, I'll yeah, yeah, bet no, that's why. Yeah, exactly. if the teams were switched, like, England's odds would be much better. But this is, I mean, England just has such a brutal path. I mean, I, it's just almost unbelievable that if they lose that group to Belgium, who, by the way, has 11 to 1 odds, so, you know, Belgium is, is definitely the favorite in that group, they have to beat Colombia and then Brazil and then, you know, potentially France and then Germany. Like, that's, boy, that's unbelievable. Yeah, if they, it's rough. If they were to do it. It's rough. All right, so on to FIFA, huh? Yeah. Hey, the, you could have been. You could be simulating. Look in that crazy that path. This could be a semifinal matchup. So this England France game was by far the most fun game that I played. Hmm. Uh, it was back and forth, three to three goals all around. Uh, Kyle Walker. Uh, the right back scored an amazing goal where he made this like messy like run in on um, in the box. That was a goal against me, by the way. Uh, uh, Kyle all, Walker, all down to a draw, and then there were zero goals in extra time, so it went to a penalty shootout. Of course. Oh wow! And right off the bat, Harry Kane scores against Hugo. Lloris, facing his own teammate, captain to captain. Oh, wow. You had Harry Kane kicking first? Well, I was playing with with, with France at the time. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but they had Harry Kane kicking first. And, and then I missed my first penalty with France. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this is over. And then after that, Hugo Lloris stops the next three goals wow wow during the penalty shootouts france goes on to win quite a game um you know fairly even i mean i think you know not surprising it you know france had more shots more shots on target england had more possession so i think that actually like it, it stimulated it uh it it uh simulated this style well other than england was giving up a lot of goals and still scoring so um but this was just like a fun back and forth game all around, and these teams felt very evenly matched. Actually, hmm. uh, I think that France was just a little bit better, and England was uh, England was a little bit more familiar. Like I said, just you're you're passing between so many players that I play with all the time in uh, FIFA. So I think this is almost a draw, but very slight edge to France, who France are a pretty fun team to play with, for sure. I and, mean... And, and by the way, Mbappe 
and Deli Alley are both such smarmsters in this game. Smarming it up? Making smarming those smarmy runs? Sure. Absolutely. <sighs> Joe, I mean, look, just recapping this. These Every category is, you know, close either way. Like, um, maybe that the path to the title a little strongly favors France, depending on what you're... You know, if you're going for the the sort of um, situation being set up for a deep run, but wow, the players, you give the slightest edge to England. The FIFA matchup, you gave the slightest edge to France. And that path to the title, you gave a, a slight edge to France, but there was, you know, something for everybody on both sides there. Yeah, this is this is this is a real, real tough choice. I can't even imagine you having to, to do this. I don't. I don't know how I can leave either of these teams behind right now. Uh, each of them seems like very worthy Final Four competitors. I know. I know. Uh, obviously, we could break, I could break my own rules and just put them both forward. Though it seems, it, it seems like cheating if I do that. Yeah, it wouldn't be good picking, but I mean, that would well, mean you'd have to leave one of the other teams out. <laughs> that's right. We have to we have to eliminate a whole matchup. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll pick. Look, look, look. We have a, a religion based around picking. Hey, you just pick. seem to get a little bit of pickspiration. This this is a real pickle. Uh, no, look. I think I think given how close it is, just how razor thin close it is between these two, and, the, and these are two teams that I want. Want to? I mean, if this were, if we were doing a a one and two final, this could be the final. Yeah, and 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 we'd be making it, and it would still be a tough choice. Uh, I think, given how close it is, I can't. I have to give an edge to the team that I just feel like I have more of a connection with, which is England. <sighs> wow. So I'm going to move England on. Wow. <sighs> I really, I thought that could have gone either way. It really, really could have. If if we keep talking about it, it'll switch back. But let's just go with England. I'm going to double down. Yeah, and it's the right choice. Fuck France. Hate them. I I really I felt like I in my head I was like England feels like the favorite, but boy, that path to title is really that's tough. yeah yeah yeah. No, I know it. It is tough to say. Well, this is a team that God they wouldn't be France wouldn't be a trendy pick. They wouldn't be like you're picking the obvious choice of the favorite to win, but but you're kind of picking a team that like has a pretty decent shot at making it pretty far. Well, they're done. They're out. It's it's sad. I I, I thought it could have gone either way, but France, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> and on we go, Joe. Into the next I mean this podcast is really we're breaking all records here. <laughs> <laughs> this is I mean, boy, these matchups are I probably shouldn't have spent the first hour talking about that stupid court case because this is unbelievable. Argentina, the winner out of Group C, versus Portugal, the runner-up in Group D. What unbelievable matchups, Joe. Let's let's just break down the, these these countries, each of which have multiple players, of course, that are in the FIFA Top 100. And, in fact, each team has individual players that are in the FIFA top two. So, whew. 
Argentina comes in with a total of six players in the FIFA Top 100, but only five of them made the, the team. Mauro Icardi, who plays mm-hmm. for Inter Milan, did not make the team for whatever reason. But these five players did. Coming in at number 79, Angel Di Maria, plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. Number 21, Paulo Dybala. Yes, we all know him. The number 21 player in FIFA Top 100. Wow. Plays for Juventus. Number 18. Top 20. Three top 20 players on this side. Sergio Aguero. Plays for Man City. Number 10. Gonzalo Higuain. Plays for Juventus. Wow, Juventus really. Pipeline of talent from Argentina. And Joe, the number one player on Argentina, which is the number two player in FIFA, Lionel Messi plays for Barcelona. I mean, they're good. What's there to say about Argentina? They, they, are, they are a super stacked team. You understand why they were in the final uh, four years ago. They could totally do it again. And, uh, you know, um, other than my my justified hatred for Dybala, you know, they're all fun players, too. Yeah, and just to talk about their style of play, again, when you're at these top, top teams, they're going to be good in everything, but we know that the third best defense is England. The first best defense is actually Brazil, and I read a really interesting article about how dominant Brazil's defense has been and um, how dominant's expected to be, but Argentina right behind them, second best defense by this uh, scoring ranking, and the sixth best offense. So, again, this is, again, when you have the sixth best offense, you're going to be, like, good on offense, especially if you have Messi. But this is a more of a defensive team. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you can go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, it's, it's surprising to me that this is more of a defensive team. But I believe it. Yeah, I mean, this is, when you look at these rankings, it's just like ranking all the 32 teams. So they're also a really good offensive team, too. And right. uh, especially you see this, like Brazil, for example, is the first best defensive team, but they're the third best offensive team. And they're just really good at everything. So right. um, Argentina is is much in the same way. They're They're very good at both. Let's look at Portugal. They've got three players in the top 100. And all three are on the squad. So, number 100, the 100th best player just coming in, Bernardo Silva. Plays for Man City. Then, the 68th best player, none other than the one-name wonder, Pepe. Who plays for Besiktas. Whatever that is. (laughs) I think you butchered that pronunciation, too. Well, what league is that even in? Uh, maybe the Dutch league, maybe the Russian league. I don't know. Yeah. Pepe, come on. He's not playing in the Russian league. I mean, maybe he is. Who knows? But the number one player on uh, Portugal, also the number one player in the FIFA top 100, also the number one person in terms of birthday, my, my brother, Cristiano Ronaldo plays for Real Madrid, top ranked player in FIFA. On this Portugal squad. And look, when you've got a player like that, all these other statistics are, are meaningless, but they've got the seventh best offense and the fifth best defense. So each of those is 
uh, a little worse than Argentina in the same categories. But, you know, at these top teams, it's just hard to say. They're just good at everything. So, you know, these are... Look, that last matchup we had France-England was two of absolute top teams, and this is basically the same. Obviously, you'd give the slight nod to Argentina, but they're they're both very good squads. Yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, they they both have two of the biggest soccer stars in the world, too. I mean, this this comparing these two teams, I think. Sort of on on the top top level star power, it's it's a draw. But then I think you just add to it that Argentina just has a more complete squad of stars, top to bottom, than Portugal does, and I think that's where 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 Argentina does get the edge here. Fair enough. I mean, it is. You could easily wade deep deep into the Messi versus Ronaldo debate here, but. No, and you know both of us are on Team Ronaldo, but there's just that's there's not as much beyond Ronaldo on Portugal as there is on Argentina. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe we'll see something in the the path to the title here that that uh, maybe could break Portugal's way. So Argentina is in Group D. Now we we've talked a little bit about uh, that group before in in terms of. Um, where they uh, could face uh, when we're talking about Peru. But let's just, we're we're just going to give this group to Argentina. They're against Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Uh, Not, I don't know, their first match is against Iceland, which, boy, that's probably one of the biggest um, talent disparities you're going to find in the World Cup. Then they play Croatia, and then they finish with Nigeria. So I don't know, those Croatia and Nigeria games are going to be their tough ones, but they're, they're heavy favorites to make it out of this group. And so then they're going to get the second team out of Group C, which all likelihood would be Denmark, but, you know, could be Australia or Peru. But regardless, they're going to be heavy, heavy favorites. And then who would they face if they make it past that? Well, they could face none other than Portugal. In the quarterfinals mm-hmm. or Spain, they they are likely to face whichever team wins Group B. So, in fact, I'll just bring it together here because uh, their their timelines uh, converge. So, if Portugal uh, wins the group against wins Group B against Spain, Morocco, and Iran, then they would face the either probably Russia or Uruguay, which pretty good matchup for them and then boom that's they they right get locked into against argentina in that quarterfinal and then both of those paths converge and then after that they likely are going to play uh i i can't see if this is the germany side or the brazil side it's not the brazil side it would be the germany side so then they would face germany in the semifinals for either of these teams now, Portugal, if they lose that group, then uh, which is also very likely, then they're still playing either Uruguay or Russia, one of those two. But then they will not play Argentina. Instead, they will play France, and then they will move from France and then play Brazil. That's Wow. So basically, uh, winning that group is super important for the later. Yeah, winning that group is absolutely critically important. Although, again, you're talking about 
your your quarterfinal matchup is going to be either Argentina or France. So like I don't. It's really those are those are really difficult either way. And yeah, but you'd rather play France than Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hey, maybe they, maybe they, not, but they wouldn't yeah. play. They wouldn't play Brazil in the quarterfinals. They'd play in the semifinals. By the time they get to the semifinals, it's either going to be uh, Brazil or Germany. So right, but whatever, you're in the semifinals. So yeah, yeah I think we're it. talking about the quarterfinals. Depending on if Portugal wins the group, their more likely matchup would be Argentina. If they lose the group, their more likely matchup would be France. So actually, if you look at that from their perspective, it probably doesn't really matter that much and also from argentina's perspective it really doesn't matter that much because when argentina wins the group their quarterfinal matchup is almost certainly going to be either portugal or spain yeah 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 i mean look both of these teams they you know they're gonna these are these are odds on favorites to be two at least quarterfinal teams right I mean, they're they're just based on the odds. I think they're probably odds-on favorites to to face each other in the quarterfinals because yeah. Spain, Portugal is expected to lose the group, and um, yeah, and then as the oh no 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 uh, that that the winner of the group faces uh, this is too complicated. But uh, yeah, they're not <laughs> odds-on favorites to meet in the quarterfinals. So the the, the odds-on matchup is probably Argentina versus Spain. And then uh, Portugal versus France. Those are probably the odds-on favorites. God, those are such good games. I can't wait. Isn't the World Cup great? It really is. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing that, that we've lost in our you know rush to record 17 hours of podcasting this week is that like the greatest sporting event ever, in my opinion, that happens only every four years is like 48 hours away. Yeah, I'll I'm tell so you excited. one thing. Oh, I'm loving the scheduling too. Friday... At 11 a.m., this is absolutely must-watch television, Portugal versus Spain. You're, that's just the absolute, oh by far, God. the best first-round matchup you're going to find. And, you know, these these can run anywhere from, like, 5 in the morning to 11 a.m., but they, they put that late on um, on American time, so people can absolutely tune in. That, that's going to be just a phenomenal match. So, look, I mean, I think, I think that... Um, Argentina's path is a little bit clearer for them, but I think this is super close. I think both of them have paths to get far and then, of course, have to do the tough work of playing some really hard teams. But, uh, you know, I think similar to the France situation, I think Argentina's path is a little bit more clear. Similar to England, I think Portugal has maybe a little bit more of a fun group dynamic because uh, that's going to be just such a fun game to watch, that Portugal-Spain yeah, game. We, so we might not see Argentina play for two weeks because they're not even going to really play an interesting game, whereas right. everybody's going to... That, that Portugal-Spain game is what everybody's going to be talking about on Friday. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And actually, now that you say that, maybe maybe this tilts more Portugal's way. Uh, it's, a, it's a slight advantage. Yeah, let's just say slight advantage Portugal here. All you right. convinced me. I don't know if you meant to, but you did convince me. No, I think that's part of it because I, I honestly think I I agree that Argentina's path is clearer, but I don't think Portugal's path is particularly difficult because I do think they, they get that lucky matchup, which is regardless of whether they win the group or lose their group, as long as they advance, they're playing group A and group A is just the weakest group, you know, where 
the best team is Uruguay, which is, of course, still alive in your bracket. But Uruguay is a pretty weak group winner compared to what else you can get. And if they happen to get Russia, you know, corruption aside, like, that's that's nice for them. And, um, you know, Argentina is the same. Like, Argentina is just a better team. But once you get to those quarterfinal matchups, they're just – they're both equally as exciting. And – Portugal's got the Spain game starting out on Friday that we're all going to watch, and Argentina just doesn't have an interesting game. So I, I think it's a great score. All right. Well, let's talk about the FIFA game, Dan. Ronaldo versus Messi, Joe. Ronaldo versus Messi. And unfortunately, this game did not quite live up to the hype. It was a 1-0 game. Wow. Argentina won the game with Argentina one goal. Argentina does play some ugly games from time to time. I mean, they had a few ugly games in that 2014 World Cup. But the highlight of the game for me, and it really made me sympathetic to Portugal, was, well, and and to be fair, I should admit, I put Dybala on the bench. Uh, <sighs> out monster. of spite. Out of spite. But I did bring him in. I brought him in in like the 25th minute just to prove a point. It was more of... My managerial style, he needed to be punished, so you know you don't start the game, but but he got his minutes. Uh, but Portugal all around played a better game. I mean, sixty-one percent of the possession wow. went to Portugal. Uh, they had more shots, more shots on target, and they had an amazing, amazing like 90th minute goal with Ronaldo that was disallowed because he was offsides. Oh. You know that Lions person in the World Cup's not going to have the courage to make that call. No, I feel like it was biased. I feel like, like you know, you know, Ronaldo's such like a heel. They they didn't want it. They didn't want to give him that moment. But can you imagine Classic. that in, in an actual Argentina Portugal matchup in like the quarterfinal if Ronaldo scored a 90th minute goal? I mean, it'd be amazing. I I, I would. I mean, that matchup. I guess in order for that matchup, I have to root for Portugal to win the group. So that's. That is actually deciding my rooting interest, that I want Portugal to win the group. I want them to beat Spain on Friday so that we can get that quarterfinal matchup between Portugal and Argentina, which would just, I mean, that, that, that that's just an epic matchup. Yeah. So I think for me in this FIFA game, Portugal was just a little bit more fun to play with, but they're both fun to play with. It was sort of a, it was sort of a bad game for both teams and it, it just ended up being this weird defensive struggle i don't know why but uh but portugal was a little bit more fun mostly i think because my style of play with ronaldo and how they make him in fifa is that Messi's sort of this guy that is really fun to play with in fifa if you're really good at doing all like the the dribbling tricks which you know i am not yeah uh, despite playing a lot of fifa ronaldo's just he's just he's so good that he's easy to play well with no matter how like sort of clunky you are at fifa yeah so there you go. Edge edge to Portu- Portugal. Okay, so we've got we've got a, a slight to to decent edge in the the players for Argentina and the style of play a little bit, although they're they're very similar. It's just Argentina's a little better. We've got a slight edge to Portugal in the the path to title and I think a lot of it weighs on just how exciting the game on Friday is going to be and you know, everybody's going to watch that. And then in FIFA, you, you like, you know, Team Ronaldo all the way. And FIFA is very much defined by, like, if there's one player on the team, you can just, like, pass the ball to and play with. I know. That's I good. Know. So, 
I mean, boy, I can't believe one of these teams is going to get eliminated right now. This is. <sighs> I know. I know. I mean, do I do I forsake your birthday brother and leave Portugal, or do I forsake Mauricio Pochettino, oh, that's possibly right. the greatest human being alive? And just to to talk about it a little more, we've got Argentina at nine to one and Portugal at twenty five to one. So, I mean, Portugal is obviously more of a long shot. Argentina right at that the bottom of the the top top tier teams. Each of them, though, with a real chance. I mean, they could be playing each other in the quarterfinals. Gosh, this is brutal. This is brutal, Dan. But you know, this is why this is why I get I, I get paid the big picking bucks, not to make the easy decisions like like booting you know teams like Tunisia. Yeah, Senegal, get out of here. Decisions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Germany, go home. You know what? We're going to move Portugal on. Goodbye, Argentina. One of the one of the top seed, the top seed, I believe. Uh, the the yeah yeah you're right. The overall top seed. I was about to say that the team where we've gotten our next matchup is the uh, the second top seed, but <sighs> don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> you're out. All right, Dan. So there we go. Three out of the four teams set. Uruguay, England, Portugal. Two teams from Europe. One team from South America. And our final matchup, we've got another South American team, the Group D winner, Colombia. And then a team from Asia. A little bit of a wild card team here, Japan. Well... It's going to be quick for Japan. They have no players in the top 100. <laughs> they are offensive rank 17th and their defensive rank 23rd. So you can at least give them there a little bit of a, a puncher's chance. They've got that, you know, 17th best offense. They got something going for them. Now, Colombia has two players in the top 100. They've got the 75th best player, Falcao, who plays for. A.S. Monaco. And then the 58th best player, according to FIFA, none other than the Bayern Munich star, James Rodriguez. Everybody's favorite player comes in with that FIFA rating of 86. But now the the stats here are what I, I think are really great. So Colombia, 12th best offense, but the 6th best defense this is really a a team that relies on that defense they rely on that low scoring games and you know of of what you'd consider the elite teams the 12th best offense is very bad i i mean compared to these other teams we're talking about england the eighth best offense france the fourth best argentina the sixth best they are way out there but they've got that sixth best defense you know they're just bully the other team Make those scoring chances difficult, you know, some dirty play a little bit, and keep the score low. So that's their style of play, whereas Japan, you know, they're obviously defense, 23rd best, just, you know, who cares? Sometimes they're going to get scored on, sometimes they're not. Hope to make something happen on offense. You know, they're Japan's going to need some some lucky breaks, Joe. But uh, what do you yeah, make of these yeah, two squads? Yeah, 
yeah, look, I think I think Colombia definitely has has more star power. I mean, James became a household name four years ago, and we talked about that in the Colombia episode. Like, how much fun is that, right? That like this was a team and a player that just were totally, you know, like they shot out of a cannon, right? Yep. Uh, um, the other thing is that uh, is that. I do like the fact that that like maybe Colombia is a little bit distinct. Obviously, I prefer offensive-minded teams, but it's not like you know we're comparing them to Japan. It's not like Japan is like this offensive powerhouse, right? Um, but I like that at least Colombia. It's like they have a style of play. They have a way that they play. They have uh, yep. Uh, and uh, uh, Sanchez, uh, Davison uh, uh, Sanchez on Tottenham Hotspur is like this young center back who's like. 19 years old and he's awesome so I can see why their defense is so good uh, and uh, kudos to Karsten for bringing him up uh, I think that Columbia wins this one easily wow I just actually wanted to look up the um, their qualifying uh, stats because you know they're playing in the South American Confederation and basically you can see this tier of Brazil this absolutely top defensive team who only allows 11 goals Although Brazil has the advantage that they don't have to play Brazil, so that's, that helps their stats. <laughs> but then you've got Uruguay, Argentina, and Colombia who are all in the middle tier at Uruguay allowing 20 goals, Argentina, you know, 16 goals, definitely, as we talked about, the second best uh, defense. And then Colombia, though, right at 19 goals. So, you know, Colombia is playing Argentina, Brazil, they're still allowing 19, whereas every other team in South America allowed over 25 goals. You know, yeah, so super interesting. Colombia is a team that that can, you know, playing these all star teams in uh, South America. They're keeping the low score. I mean, their goals for was 21 and goals against is 19. So they're just scraping out these these low scoring uh, the wins and, and, you know, holding it close against the top team. So, I, I mean, I think it would be interesting if Colombia were perhaps matched up against a different team type of you know like colombia and france is almost like diametrically opposed to the the type of styles they're going to play right but right you know japan and i tend to and i tend to prefer france's style but unfortunately france got 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 caught by harry kane i mean yeah it's a tough tough matchup for them colombia's this japan matchup is um uh maybe a little easier for them but look this the path to the title is going to be real easy for us to figure out here because they're in the same group joe they're in group h We've got Colombia, who's probably the favorite, to, not probably, definitely the favorite to win the group. We've got Poland, probably the second favorite to win the group. Japan, right behind them, depending on uh, which site you're looking at. I think it's pretty close between those two. And then Senegal, uh, the third favorite. So we, we just get to look at both paths from this group. So we just assume Colombia is going to win. That means they are probably going to be playing either... Belgium or England, whoever loses that group. And then, of course, the reverse for us. Imagine Japan gets second place out of this group. Boom, they are going to probably be playing Belgium or England. So that's really, it's a tough second round matchup for either of these teams to, to have to face Belgium or England so quickly. And then Joe doesn't get any easier after that. So let's assume Colombia wins. They have to play Belgium or England. They beat Belgium or England. Well, who are they getting in the quarterfinals? Germany. So that's tough. And then, boom. Brutal, brutal. They beat Germany. 
you know, unbelievable epic matchup. Who are they going to face in the semifinals? Well, if everything goes by all likelihood, they will be facing Argentina. Of course. And then, assuming everything goes to all likelihood after they beat Argentina, why not play their other South American neighbor, Brazil, in the finals? So, if you're talking about a path that is going to involve a absolutely elite like this is even more difficult than england's path (sighs) yeah that's rough and now joe if you want to talk about japan's path just just reverse everything except for their japan so they're gonna have to play either england or belgium (laughs) but then instead of germany they're gonna be playing brazil in the quarterfinals and then they're probably going to be playing France in the semifinals, and then they'll play Germany in the final. So, good good luck, Japan. That's it's a path that is as hard as Colombia, but with a worse team. Yes, but you're Japan and not Colombia. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think that the path is is clearly. I mean, it's 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 more or less the same, other than Colombia's going to win the group, and Colombia is better. So obviously, I think the edge goes to Colombia here as well. FIFA. Dan, so so what would you guess? How would you guess this this FIFA game went? Well, knowing the style of play, I think it's probably going to be fairly low scoring, and I, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if it's nil nil, one nil, something something like that. And there's like a disparity, right? I mean, I mean, Colombia is a four and a half star team in FIFA. Japan is a four-star team. It's not a huge difference, but like, you know, um, the attackers for Colombia are rated 82, 76 for Japan. Uh, Midfield is 78, 78, and defense is 78 for Colombia and 73 for Japan. So really, you know, tough, tough, uh, tough defense for Japan in the FIFA ranking. But despite that, in the first half of the game, I played as Colombia. Uh, computer played as Japan, and Japan scores, and they're pretty dominant actually. Wow! And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm just like not doing a good job. So we switch sides, and then second half of the game, I'm playing as Japan. I'm dominant. I score. Wow! And in fact, the uh, Shinji Kagawa, who I think was the player to watch for Japan. Plays for Borussia Dortmund, so I have to imagine he's on David's radar. Hmm. But he had an overall player rating in the game of nine, 9.4. That's good. That's amazing. Uh, he just was all over the place, obviously scored both goals. But, like, he was a lot of fun to play with. I mean, I was surprised Japan was really, really fun to play with in FIFA. Yeah, I mean, Colombia, I think... What probably is the type of team where you have to like play the Colombian style in FIFA if you like want to get the most out of them? Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Colombia was not the most fun to play with in FIFA, and Japan was really great. So I think, uh, yeah, no, I think that the win for this goes to Japan. And Japan, I mean, like I said, it wasn't just that they scored two free goals; like it was dominant the whole game, wow. both sides. Yeah. Well, look. If we, we break down the scoring, we give the, the player's edge to Columbia, although, you know, your FIFA experience sort of counteracts that. And then, but right in the middle, we've got that path to title, which is just brutally difficult for either of them. But 
<laughs> I would say if it were, you know, Colombia against England or Colombia against Belgium versus Japan versus England or Japan versus Belgium, I'm still going to put my money on uh, Colombia having a significantly better chance. Yeah, I mean, look, 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 I think that, um, you know, that overall here, I think Japan's great FIFA performance really gives them a, a big boost because it was like, they're just so much fun to play with. Uh, that being said, I think that a team like Japan, I could see moving a team like Japan to the final episode if there was some path to say like, well, actually, Japan's not the best team in the World Cup, but they also have this or that break where like they could get actually a few games in, they could get to yeah. the quarter final round and actually not have a super difficult game. Cause there are teams like that. Obviously we, we talked about a few tonight. Definitely. Um, Japan does not have that. And uh, you know, they're up against Colombia right away. And also Colombia is a really fun team. So it's not like Japan. I mean, I mean, every team we're talking about is good, but I think that, um, well, I may have found a team in Japan that I might come back to when I'm playing FIFA. I don't think they're going to move forward anymore. So I think we're going to move Colombia on, and they're going to round out the final four. Wow. Well, Japan. Ah! Great run for Japan. I mean, already to make it this far. Pretty pretty amazing, although they were sort of in the group of life. And, of uh, course, if in, by some by some stretch, you know, you know, Japan does well while I'm in Japan. Of course, I'm going to totally be a fjord jumper. Yeah, absolutely. But they're likely not going to because no, of this no, absolutely no. brutal path. I mean, in fact, just looking at this now, the odds of Japan playing a game while you're in Japan are like almost none. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I or you know, I take that back. They could get out of the group, but or would you be there after the quarterfinal matchup? When's when's the knockout stage? What's the date of that? Uh, here it would be. So assuming they make it out of the group, they would be playing, and assuming they get second, they would be playing on July 2nd. They would be playing either Belgium or England in all likelihood. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there for that game. All right. So there. So you've got a, a very strong rooting interest to, for Japan to get out. I mean, wow. They could be playing, uh, you know, potentially your uh, team you pick. Uh, England's still alive. It's true. What it's a true. great Final Four, Joe. The The problem is, I, you know, obviously we've made it this multi-hour-long ridiculous podcast. You could not be accused of being your own type of fjord jumper onto one of these uh, bandwagons. But I'll tell you, when you listen to the other World Cup podcasts, Colombia is a hot team everybody wants to jump on. And Uruguay is a hot team everybody wants to jump on. So the fact that both of them are in the Final Four is really awesome. And then... Obviously, England, like, it was just going to be real tough for you to leave them out with your, your Tottenham connection. And Portugal, it's got the best player in the world, Joe. My birthday birthday brother, Ronaldo. Always, a, always an X factor. It's, it's true. It's true. Well, I mean, I think this is, a, this is an exciting Final Four. Um, I think that as we talk about it tomorrow, Dan, I think... It's not matchups. This isn't head to head. This is just a this is just a conversation about these four teams. And it's I'm a conversation. I think that uh, I think that that uh, I don't I I still don't have a favorite amongst these four. We made some really really hard decisions tonight. I I the decisions we made tonight might be easier than actually once we get to tomorrow and are picking the actual team. Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, we'll see tomorrow. Look, this is the penultimate day of, of Picksgiving, and that last day of Picksgiving, it's the first Picksgiving, so who knows what that, that choice is going to be like. It could take an hour, could take a minute, could take five hours. It could. I mean, wouldn't it be great if after all of our three-hour podcasts, if we just had like a six-minute one? <laughs> I would love it, Joe. I would I love like, it. If it's six minutes, I'll fully edit it too, so it'll be crisp. Oh, it's going to be a real sharp six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> real tight. Surgical. But. All right, Dan. Wow. Well, until tomorrow, final podcast. And hey, there are four teams left. If anyone wants to throw in a voicemail, a Reddit post, an email, whatever, get your thoughts in. Now's the time. Uruguay, England, Portugal, and Colombia. And I'll tell people, I mean, I'll tell you, Dan, because, you know, this is the format we did for the first season, too, and I think it worked well. The, look, at the end of the day, this has been about just talking about these teams, thinking about the pros and cons. And what I want to do for all four teams is I want, I want the strongest argument for each team. What's the strongest thing? Like, like why should I root for Uruguay? Give me the strongest arguments. Forget the categories. Just what's the argument? And then the con. Why 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 should why why is is your way the worst choice for me? Yeah. And I want, well, and I I'll to, delve into the mailbag. I'll delve into the research, see if I can help come up with this. And to be honest, Joe, I mean I already we already have emails that um make some of these arguments for us. And boy, I would love to hear more of them. I would love to hear some voicemails i mean we've already had a pro-colombia anti-japan voicemail we could get a pro-colombia anti-portugal england and uruguay voicemail wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be great we love voicemails pro and con we'd love emails pro and con if you've already sent an email pro one of these teams or con one of these teams uh as some have i i will i will read them on the also interesting when you think about this final four you know the way that i we've consolidated around a too good, too bad area, right? Like, like all the top dogs are out now. Yes. I think, I mean, I think you might have the, I'm just going in the ranking. Yeah. (laughs) Other than Croatia, you've got starting at the seventh, uh, highest team, England, seven, Portugal, eight, Uruguay, nine, then Croatia is the 10th most likely. And then Colombia at 11. So you, you're really right there. we could have just done that, and and it, it would have been a lot faster. Yeah, especially because Portugal, you gave them the 10 out of 10 on Too Good, Too Bad, and you've just basically picked Portugal and then all of the teams surrounding them. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's, that's actually some not bad consistency there. All right. Uh, all right, Just Dan. call on balls and strike, Joe. Until tomorrow. Okay, just call on offsides and not offsides. Good, good pickings to you, Dan. May our choices be prosperous. Mm-hmm.